any of you are looking for any last-minute gift ideas for me, I have one. I like Frank Shirley, my boss, right here tonight. I want him brought from his happy holiday slumber over there on Melody Lane with all the other rich people. And I want him brought right here with a big ribbon on his head. And I want to look him straight in the eye, and I want to tell him what a cheap, lying, no-good, rotten, four-flushing, low-life, snake-licking, dirt-eating, inbred, overstuffed, ignorant, blood-sucking, dog-kissing, brainless, gundam, heartless, fat-ass, bug-eyed, stiff-legged, spotty-lipped, worm-headed sack of monkey shit he is! Hallelujah! Holy shit! Where's the Tylenol? <laughs> Okay, everybody, welcome back to Gundam at MEHQ. This is episode 68, and this is one of your hosts, Neo. And, of course, I'm always joined here with uh, Soulbro and Chris. Uh, you guys say hello to the folks out there. Yo. Happy holidays, gang. Happy holidays. Very PC of you to say that. And in this episode, we're, we're going to be doing some great... The war on Christmas, shut up! Answer the <laughs> question, shut up! Turn off your mic, shut up! War on Christmas, shut up! Bill O'Reilly, I, I, shut I, up. I didn't realize we were having Bill O'Reilly here today, um... Wow, that's uh, yeah, it's the holiday extravaganza. You know, we just answer the question. Shut up! You never asked me anything. How could I answer? Shut up! It? Answer the question. Stop avoiding. I'm gonna cut off your mic. What is this question? <laughs> what did you ask me? But um, in this episode, uh, we're gonna be dealing with two topics today, and the first one's gonna be the holiday, uh, the holiday buyer's guide, and uh, we're gonna be joined uh, by an old friend, uh, Andreas uh, from Tomopop.com, and he'll be uh, talking about some of the cool new stuff that's gonna be coming out on the mecha and anime fronts, and uh, then we'll be finishing up with an anime spotlight of a show that nobody's ever seen, and uh, that is uh, Cowboy Bebop. So um, yes. We kind of phoned it in on that anime spotlight, but you know, don't hold it us again. Hold it against us. I predict five flushes. <laughs> I said spotlight, not toilet. Oh, damn! Yeah. Damn! Listen to the show. You it's a good it, show. You could give it. You could give it five eins. Five eins. Five eins out, out of one. <laughs> you could give it five eins out of one, Edward. Best dog ever, right there. Yeah, he was smart. He got off the friggin' uh, ship in oh. time before all hell broke loose. But we'll get to that when we get to it. So, um, uh, before we get into that, I uh, got some l- listener submitted news articles here. And uh, unlike last week when it was, or last episode when it was a little, little sparse on the old front there, we got some good things going in here. And I always encourage all the listeners to submit any news articles that deals with some of the stuff we talked about. Uh, can be serious, can be happy, can be goofy. Um, and uh, just as long as it's not Ava. And We'll move on there. Uh, but the first one here is from uh, Gundam Type Zero. And, uh, you know, I just love it. Um, everything is getting remade now. Uh, Ghost in the Shell Solid State Society, and we'll be probably talking about that sometimes uh, in the future when we finish up our Ghost in the Shell uh, roundups. But um, how that was what, made in, what, a couple years ago? Maybe three, four years about, ago? Yeah, about four years ago. Yeah, well, it, it deserves to be remade. So uh, it's going to well, be... it's not a remake. It's just, uh, it's just 3D. a post-conversion. Yeah, it's going into 3D, and uh, this is off the Sankaku Complex. Wow. And the movie's going to open in Japan on March 26th of 2011. I wonder if 
it is that before or after Unicorn Episode Three? That's after. That's after. We will we will wait to see. And I'll just say preemptively that um, one, I don't know what the point of this is other than to make a quick buck off of Ghost in the Shell. Yeah. Yeah. And two, three yeah. um, D post conversions all suck. Yeah. So if far that I've seen. If you're gonna do three D, you're gonna do three D, do it the right way and film it that way. But all yeah. post conversions that I've seen suck and. You can you can tell that they're trying to do 3D versus actually just being 3D, and I'd hate to have to bring this up, but Neo's favorite movie that he's never seen, Avatar, <laughs> is a great example of 3D done right because it was made for 3D specifically. It's just story done wrong, right? It's story done wrong because yeah. it's you know <laughs> um, space dances with wolves or dances with space wolves or awesome. Last of the Space Mohicans, mm-hmm. but um, you know the 3D works. You know, it looks like actual 3D, whereas you watch conversions and you can tell that they're 3Difying stuff. It's just, it's just instantly obvious to the naked eye. Yeah, I can't, can't or to wait. the beglassed, you know, plastic glassed eye. Can't, can't wait for this 3D uh, conversions of uh, Star Wars in uh, the oh next couple of years. God. Those will be awesome. Well, you know, you, you know what you're waiting for. What's what uh, what everyone, including Jabman025, is waiting for. The, the 3D conversion Destiny. of Destiny. Yeah, I know. Aww. That'll be awesome. Woo! So that way you can see your, your stock footage of uh, Strike Freedom turning into freedom in three dimensions. <laughs> And 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 and, see, and and impulse turning into strike. And, and see uh, and see uh, uh, what's his, what the heck was um uh, God I forgot his name the the main character but he ended up being not the main character at the end. Shin. Of the- Shin. You get to you get to see Shin sitting in for um uh, doing double duty once he gets the destiny for uh, Lunamaria. He's like I got to go over here and fly the impulse because she sucks too bad at this point. So I can't awesome. wait to see the pink cell phone float out towards me in the theater. Or. You can or, you can see his sister's hand in 3D coming towards you as it explodes. Or hey, uh, Solbro Zaku, man, the uh, pinks love Zaku. Th- there you go. That that because that's my Zaku. It's been determined. <laughs> it, it cannot be argued. And also, uh, I, I guess to close out this um, this article submitted by Gundam Type Zero, the uh, the article also announced a 3D One Piece movie. Chris, your oh. thoughts on that? Answer well, the um, from the sounds of it, this is something that's being made for 3D. Yeah. So nice. that uh, is a lot more interesting to me than you know a 3D post conversion is something that I've seen anyway and greatly enjoy, but is still a crappy post conversion nonetheless. Answer the question. Just ends up being an afterthought when you think about it. It's just you know, it, I, 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 I'm, I'm well, like you said, it's a mo- it's a money grab. Let's, it, it is a money let's not grab, sugarcoat everything. Let's on not... top of that, they're trying to they're trying to create more material for these 3D TVs that are out there now and. Um, I don't know. It's just it, it, it's it's a bad way to go about it. Just create new things that incorporate 3D and that are filmed in 3D and made with 3D in mind. Um, if you want to do Ghost in the Shell in 3D, do it right. Make something brand new. Yeah, That'd give us awesome. a new movie. That would be the best. And if yeah. this helps to finance the movie, then I'm torn. But I, I, I would only hope that a new movie would be on the way that would do this much better than a post-conversion would. We'll see. Thank you for your Jay Leno answer there. You're welcome. Yeah, it's okay. You know, 3D is good, but then in some ways... I'm going to go off in my car. <laughs> what of my millions? All right. I'm going to go play Gran Turismo in real life. <laughs> You know, you you may sit there and and you may c- complain about that man, but hell, I'd love to be have one day in his uh, his car warehouse and play tr- Gran Turismo myself. Are you right? In real life, yeah. <laughs> but um, thank you, Mister Gundam Type Zero, for your submission. Uh, next uh, article we have here is from Snoops six one nine, and he's one of those people from the UK. And uh, th- this is from the UK Anime Network, so I'm sure this uh, site will be shut down shortly. 
And um, I guess the, the, the thing is, is their um, Funimation is rescuing some old North American licenses going to the, uh, the British folks. And uh, they include uh, a favorite of everyone's here, XL Saga. Um, Noir, which is a good show. I like that. And no Bubblegum Crisis Tokyo 2040. So um, check that out, all our friends over there across the pond. And uh, thank you, Mr. Stoops. 619 for your submission. And another one from Gunna Type Zero, and I usually don't like doing doubles here, but this one's kind of important. Right. It seems like this show was like, um, man, you just did not want to be on this show for some reason. It's like being the drummer of, um, what, Spinal Tap? You always die. Uh, but the uh, the other, oh, 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 man, what's going on here? The other O8MS team director, Yunamasuke Ida, passed away. Oh. And this is coming from the Anime News Network. Jesus, and production uh, is cursed. He was only 49 years old. Jesus. So it's like... Wow. It was a lung 40... cancer. What's that? Lung cancer. Yeah, lung, lung cancer. Cancer has claimed my larynx. He's uh, directed Helsing, Tideline Blue, Mighty Space Miners, and CB Sharon Nagi Go World Anime Projects. And he also did some storyboards for The Big O, Birdie the Mighty Decode, Brave King Go Gygar Final, Grand Glorious Gathering, Ooh, Cowboy Bebop. Oh. Uh, Jinrei and Shangri-La. So, uh, and, um, you know, that's always some sad news to see, especially for a guy that's pretty young. And, um, you know, it just seems like that. Because didn't the first director die, like, halfway through the production of yeah, that during, show? Yeah, that's, that's why it took it, like, a million years to come out. Yes. So, you know, sad sad news there, but we'll, we'll pick it up here with uh, some other good stuff. And for all of our fans down in Australia, this comes from Mula Flaga. Oh, and this is from the madman.com. Uh, website, uh, Gurren Lagann and Gundam 00 are coming to free air digital TV channels in Australia. Nice. So I know we have a lot of convicts that listen to us and uh, <laughs> you know that, that now you can watch it while you're sitting in your cells. So, uh, <laughs> Gurren Lagann and... Uh, <laughs> you're, such, you're such a global citizen of the world there, Neo. <laughs> I just hope that Way to engender uh, goodwill from foreign countries. <laughs> hey, it's Australia. They already like us. We don't, they, don't, they don't need anything else. So, um, But uh, thank you, Mr. Mulaflaga, for you. Uh, he's on Team Neo, so I can give him a little ribbing. You got you to gotta deal with that stuff when you're on my team, you know. We fight together, but we also... Is this school of hard knocks? It is. Hey, at least we don't ask questions and, and cut them off. It's not what we do there. But um, thank you, Mr. Malulafaga, for your submission. And uh, another one here, and this is from uh, Jabman025, uh, Defender of Destiny. Um, <laughs> all that enthusiasm. Well, I just... <laughs> can't do that voice every time. Can't do it all the time, and I'm trying to break things up a little bit there. So it, it's... it's well, it's called comedy. It's called comedy, uh, Solbro. So. Oh, man. Um, Chris. Um, yes. You know, you, it, I guess this was um, addressed to you. His post says, you can turn off the panic alarm and go about your business. Japan Post returns to normal. And this is, uh, he got this off the link of Tomopop, and it looks like... Uh, I wrote it. Yeah. Oh, you wrote was, this? Yeah, that was my post. And then, oops. Sorry, everyone. This is, uh, Andreas is also on with us. Uh, and uh, well, why don't you tell us what's going on here very quickly? In this article okay um very briefly um about three weeks ago there was a case after the um, 
after the burning cartridges in Yemen, that right. whole terrorist scare, um, the Japan Post decided in complaint that due to TSA pressure that they were no longer going to be shipping any packages via SAL, which is Surface Airlift, or EMF, which is their Express Mail Service. Mm-hmm. The, um, the reason why that was done was because those packages traditionally fly on commercial aircraft alongside um, passengers. Right. So um, they had banned all packages that were over one pound in weight. Unless the the sender had a commercial contract with the Japan Post, right? Now, where a lot of the controversy like sort of stemmed out of was because people were wondering what defined a previous contract, but it referred mainly to retailers who have you know a professional business contract with sending things, right. like so HLJ. I, right. So when I addressed in the original article, I had stated that. This wasn't going to affect any of the major shippers or any of the major retailers, but where I might see it affecting was on eBay or any middleman services. Mm-hmm. Or people that live there and was going to ship stuff to Chris as right. he sent them money. <laughs> so I guess in the end, that's all been lifted, so everything is back to normal then. Right. There was a lot of confusion as to what did what, but there were people that were affected by it. You know, obviously families. It was covered in the Atlantic, actually. Okay. But yeah, that ban is now lifted, so you are free to send packages across the holidays. So please feel free to send me any gift packages of print that I need. Oh, that's cool. Um, so and and then I guess it's it's open for all terrorists to send anything they need to to Japan to blow it up. So thank you, Mister Jabman zero two five, for your submission. Thank you for Andreas uh, actually reading your own um, article that you posted. So thank you. It's, it's nice to know the person that the news is being bid off from. Nice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's right in front of us. Exactly. Full circle, baby. Now, I just want to send a shout out then to Jetman. Thank you for actually understanding the article. Thank you. Well, we uh, I think it was, was it the last episode or the episode before we had talked about when the, the, the ban went in. So I guess, uh, you know, as a responsible newscaster, I have to, uh, you know, let people know, you know, these things are done with and, and now you can go about your business. So it's called you. follow up. It's called follow up. Yes. Chris knows. That's great. Great. As a great journalist like me. Um, now, I got to borrow the keys of the Straight Talk Express. Oh, boy. What was it this time? Um, directing this at Solbro. Solbro. Right. I know you're trying to uh, fix your um, the re- your reputation after the anniversary episode. Uh-huh. But if you want me to read it, uh, an article, you don't have to submit it with the listeners. <laughs> You, you can just email it to me. I appreciate you giving me. I don't have a problem with you doing news, but I know you're trying to be a man of the people after your nope. secrets have been flooded out there. Right. But you, you can do it. Some people like to go to the news, the news thread to see what is happening in the gun, <laughs> in, in the gun news. So I posted there so that other okay. people can see it. That's fine. And, that, that, and, and that's and a that's a good explanation. No I, problem. That's, that's okay. why I do it. Well, this one, this post is from Soul Bro Ryu. Mm-hmm. And uh, it doesn't have anything to deal with Capcom or, or, or Street Fighter. So uh-huh. everybody just don't, you know, you can unpause the podcast at this point. <laughs> and, or don't, or don't, uh, don't, don't seek, go forward or anything like that. But um, I guess uh, there's an article on Kotaku uh, talking about Tamino going to Peking University and uh, just talking about some, what he did there. And I guess they had... Um, smashing model kits. Smashing model kits Hell and stuff. Yeah, and I would definitely uh, suggest anybody to check out on the Neo's Listener Submitted News Articles thread and check the link there that Solbro has provided. This is kind of interesting reading. I'm not going to go too much into it because... Um, you know, sometimes it's better just to, you know, reading is fundamental sometimes instead of just <laughs> listening to things. So you sometimes enjoy things more when you read. But um, thank you, Mr. Solbro Ryu, for your um, your submission there. You're welcome. 
next one is from Vent Noir, and he's got a link here that the Fafner Heaven and Hell film trailer has been posted online, and this is off of Anime News Network. And if you go to his link on on our th- uh, forum thread, and it'll actually have a link to Anime News Network, and they have a link to the trailer. So definitely check that out, all fans of Fafner, new Heaven and Earth film coming out. And thank you, Mr. Vent Noir. I see that you're from Australia, so you must have did this on your, uh, y- your yard time. Thank you for that. <laughs> Damn, why, why do you have a crusade against Australia now? I'm just messing around now. And um, last one here is some kind of funniness. Uh, this is from Yazzie88, and this is um, from the Denver Post. So I, ho- I know a lot of newspapers in the United States are having problems, so they're really going to have a problem after this because I'm quoting them. Uh, but uh, there is by uh, Coors Field, which is the, um, it's the baseball stadium in, in uh, Denver. There was a toy robot that they had to uh, blow up because of suspicion of <laughs> having a bomb in it. And it, I guess it uh, basically uh, messed up traffic for a while, and it was just kind of placed there. And um, it was remotely detonated about 5.30 p.m., and it was rendered safe. And uh, Mr. Um, Yazzie88 kind of says this kind of reminds him of the Aqua Team fiasco in Boston a couple years oh, ago when they had the little, yeah. the little things around there. So um, definitely... Uh, I guess this goes in what they were trying to prevent with Japanese post office that the uh, you know the strike Gundam could be used as a as a bomb. So, uh, but thank you, Mister Yet. My that? guess is this was you know like a bad Hanukkah gift. Some dad you know br- you know some grandparent brought home you know to their grandson a nice toy robot from Radio Shack. Mm-hmm. So he conveniently left it there. <laughs> yeah, it's a cool look. It's a cool little, little robot, but um, yeah, definitely. St- Tells you kind of the uh, environment we live in now when it comes to things just being left left out there. So, uh, but you know, thank you, Mister Yazi eighty eight, for your submission, and thank you for all of those uh, folks that have uh, submitted articles to the Neos listeners listeners submitted news articles thread on the Mecha Talk forum. And before I uh, get over, bring this over to Chris and with some news that he's got in the mailbag, um, borrowing the Straight Talk Express one more time. Going to be a short one. 2.5 million units of Connect Microsoft in one month. I see. I see how it is. Screw you. Go PS3. General hate in 2012. Hate we can believe in. And with under his plan, all Capcom will be banned, and all all everyone will have a PS3. Even babies, they'll have their own PS3. Even babies. Even babies. Even ones in the womb. So, but uh, that's it for the news. And Chris, uh, I think you had something you wanted to talk about before you uh, did the mailbag. Yes, uh, I've had some questions about. Um you know, where our pals Palpatine and um, Dennis have been since I mentioned a while back that they went on a road trip. Yeah. And uh, I did mention in a Mecha Talk post that, um, you know, they were caught at the Canadian border with drugs. Mm-hmm. At first it was just marijuana, but it turned out to be far more insidious than that. Oh, of course. Uh, Dennis was found to be hiding bags of cocaine in his anus. Nice. Mm. <laughs> and was- uh, up to this point, he had been freelancing for Reuters and the AP. But then when they heard about this arrest, um, you know, they revoked his credentials and blacklisted him. Oh, so, no. Yeah. Ooh. Last I heard, he ended up in L.A. and he's now a porno cameraman. Okay. 
and when he spoke to me, he was on the set of a uh, pterodactyl porn. Pterodactyl porn, okay. What? Yeah, it's it's like these guys in costumes, and it's got a hole for. Well, never mind. Um, yeah, let's let's just go beyond that. And right? and Palpatine, he was sent to um, the Hague for um, <laughs> trial for crimes against humanity because, as it turns out, in addition to being Larry King and Rupert Murdoch, he's also uh, Slobodan Milosevic, uh, Idi Amin, Augusto Pinochet, Robert Mugabe, Kim Jong Il. And Uwe Boll. And if you're that. wondering why I'm mentioning Uwe Boll with a list of brutal dictators, apparently the UN decreed that the mere existence of Uwe Boll's movies are a crime against humanity. Yeah, that that I would definitely uh, I would second on that one. Yes. So um, this this freaking guy, he called me collect from Europe, that bastard, and um, he's he's uh, defending himself, which uh, probably is not going to go so well. So uh, there you go. I guess we're not going to be hearing from these guys for a very long time. So you got that call. You are getting a. You are receiving a call from an inmate in a correctional facility. Will you accept the charges? You're like, oh crap. And, and then the pre-recording and it's like came out and it was like, accept the charges or die. I, I could just hear that. You're getting a call from Emperor Palpatine. <laughs> An inmate in a correctional facility. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, oh, Christ, what does this guy want? Man, so, the Netherlands, too. Or not uh, the Hague's in what? Belgium, I'm sorry. But um, for a second, it felt like Palpatine was here. Well, he's not going to be for a, for a long time. Oh. Apparently, they have him uh, in a, an anti-force prison, kind of like that... Uh, like Magneto in that uh, that plastic prison. <laughs> What's it, what what how much time is he facing because he is kind of like almost immortal, isn't he? So I mean, I don't know. I mean, uh all those guys combined, that's that's a lot of uh, that's, that's a lot of crimes against humanity. Yeah, definitely. And that's just scratching the surface. I mean, who knows who else he might be <laughs> that we didn't know about. Well, that's good to know then. So uh Chris, I guess mailbag time then. Oh, he also mentioned that he has a PayPal defense fund that he wants you to contribute to and if you don't, he'll kill you. <laughs> what what would I serve? search for uh, for his account uh, i believe it's uh emperor palpatine at uh sithlord.com <laughs> okay. that's the email address you want to search for on paypal awesome so with that said that little minor update let's get to the mailbag and uh our first question comes from uh adamus i'm sorry i don't know if that's how it is uh this question seems like it's mostly directed at neo oh. it says I was wondering, what is your current opinion on the upcoming Thor and Captain America movies? Is there anything you like or hate? See, I'm a rational man, so um, I don't just freak out about... Um, and I don't mean that to be mean or anything, but I just don't freak out when I see something, you know, like line art or whatever. But the, the trailers and the stuff I, I saw so far, I mean, Thor looks... I mean, he looks cool. Um, Captain America, it's just, I guess it's just going to end up what it's, um, going to be like with the scripts and everything when it's finally released. I mean, I can't, I don't really go by just what I see in pictures and stuff, if it's going to be good or bad. And, uh, they got the looks down of the two characters. So I think, um, you know, that's always a good start. You don't want, um, you don't want Captain America to look like a scrawny guy. Right. But, um. Yeah, I, I'm. I just wait and see. I th when are they coming out? 2011. Yeah, both. Yeah, during the summer. I always thought Thor would be a cool uh, movie to do. I'm not a huge Thor comic book reader, but you know, I, I do when there's crossovers and stuff like that. And um, Cap, you know, it's Captain America, so they better do this right. I mean, you can't screw it up. Like, wasn't there one done like in the '80s or the '70s that yeah, was like really bad? Boy. Oh, let me tell you. But well, I won't tell you about that one. That would just that would cause our listeners to turn off the show. But um, well, it's I, just bad, right? Yeah, it's oh god, kind of um, like uh, go goggle-eyed uh, Spider-Man from that back in the day. Yeah, I I've got hopes for Captain.
Captain America most definitely because um, it's a Joe Johnson p- period piece, and um, a lot of us are familiar with the one of the superhero period pieces that he did back in the 90s, The Rocketeer. So um, he's had an on and off record when it comes to movies, but um, Joe Johnson, when he when he really buckles down, he can put out a really good movie. So um, I got my fingers crossed for Captain America, and the trailer for Thor looks good. Um, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing that too. Yeah, hopefully they don't uh, hopefully they don't change it up crazily like uh, the Uncharted movies plan to be cha- trade uh, oh, changed man. up, right? Let's not get into that. That's 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 a story for another podcast. Um, <laughs> you guys know y'all excited. I have. <laughs> I have no comment. Uh, not really into either Thor or Captain America, but I'll check out the movies anyway. So yeah, I'm not really going in with any expectations. Uh, any comment, Andres? Um, well, they exist. Um, yes, they do exist. That is, they are things that exist. That is an it, observation. It, it could be worse. I mean, like, I still haven't honestly watched the trailers or anything. I've just seen like snippets of people like raging because of it, and it's just like. Wait till it actually comes out. I mean, come on. These are pressures made for entertainment tonight. Let yeah. it go. Well, I, I just put it down to this, and I always, I always find it funny that you know this goes back to the first Iron Man. I remember when people. It, th- this sometimes shows how people they think they know things, but they don't. I remember when people said, "Oh my God, I can't believe they did Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark." And the first thing that I when I heard this, and I'm like, "It's perfect," because as a as an Iron Man comic book reader since a kid, I mean, in the end. They picked a great part, and look what happened. It ended up being, you know. But on, on top of things, um, there's been a lot of there's been a lot of noise about trailers for uh, upcoming superhero movies online, causing a lot of nerd rage across the internet. And there's something everyone should always remember: trailers can lie. And you can never judge a movie based off the trailer. You can only make uh, a choice whether to go see it or not based off the trailer. And that's up to you, but you can't review a movie just based off of that. And um, whether it's the trailer for Thor or Green Lantern or whenever the Captain America trailer drops, um, there's a chance it could be bad or a good chance it, be, it could be good. Yet when you see the movie, it could be a total piece of garbage or it could be better than what the trailer showed. Yeah, but isn't so. that true of every movie? Yeah, it is true yeah, of every movie. End. I mean... But some people don't seem to get that. They just like to make a judgment based off the trailer and completely berate a film because of it so yeah, well those people are just idiots <laughs> exactly so <laughs> enough of captain america and thor yeah. whatever you guys say um mega shark versus crocosaurus is easily going to be the better movie anyway so Shit, let's not yes. state it. well you, folks you heard it here first our next question comes from uh, a new a new submitter uh mekton gm who says hi guys longtime listener and lurker i was wondering if you guys had any characters from any gundam or other mecha franchise that in your opinion deserve an explanation on their story one that comes to mind for me is Cassilia zabi from what i've read and understood about her in expanded material like the johnny Ryden manga and other sources it seems that if things had gone differently she and char would have made unlikely allies thank you for taking the time to answer and as a side note i'm going to cosplay as saji crossword at this rear at this year's yomacon so please don't send the general after me so um yeah Cassilia, you know it's, she's kind of an interesting character in that respect because you know, um, Char never seemed to have any um, animosity towards her and only did what he did because of her last name. Yeah. But they seemed to get along pretty well. And, you know, strategically, they probably would have made good allies had he not been hellbent on killing anyone with the last name Zabi. Characters that I would say that deserve a little bit more background um, that come to mind, uh, Jamil and uh, Lancelot from Gundam X, I would have liked to seen more background on... Um, the 15 years of their lives after the war, you know, at which point they diverged from being Amuro and Shar clones and like the sort of things they both went through. Right. 
that turned them into what they are at the start of um, of GX, which is you know they're both wounded men who are haunted by their pasts, but in a different way from Amaro and Shar. Mm-hmm. So it would have been nice to see a bit more background on you know how it is that their path led them in a different way from Amaro and Shar's. Yeah, but couldn't that, we might have gotten that if it didn't get canceled? So might have, yeah, but yeah. yeah, maybe so. I'm just, that's just uh, that's I just see. my choice. So uh, you guys, um, yeah, mind I, you, this is Gundam or any mecha anime, so it doesn't have to be just Gundam. Yeah, I would say uh, Cassilia. I've always thought that she was the mo- more interesting of the zombies. Um, another character I think that would have been cool to see a little bit of their backstory, a little bit more, would have been General Revel, um, just because it always it seemed like he was the one that had the the inside enough at the beginning of the war, knowing what was going to kind of go on and stuff like that. And um, wasn't stupid and incompetent. Yeah, like exactly. everyone else from the Federation. Pretty much. <laughs> um, in terms of, I do agree with you when it comes to Jamil and Lancelot. I, you know, you really once you got to that point when in GX when uh, they get up to up to space and you and Lancelot is introduced, you know, st- and they kind of show the glimmer that there was things going down between them. It would have been really cool to see. Um, and of course, I think you know one of these days as as much as we do know about them it would be kind of cool to see in a um at least in an animated form um the young days of Shar and Sela yeah. with uh Jimbo Raw uh, I know that the X explained in the Gundam the Origin but unfortunately uh that stopped like at issue 6 here in the, in the states so um and I don't know if anybody's did any translations up to that point. So I haven't really checked it for kind of the origin for a while. Um, in terms of any other shows off the top of my head, uh, I would love to see Roy Fokker during the war, you know, during the, uh, world war, the, yeah, the world unification war, war. Yeah. the unification war. Yeah. Well, they did kind of touch on that a little bit in the episode where Claudia is mm-hmm. telling, uh, Misa, like the story of their relationship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and they did kind of touch upon it a little bit in Macross zero. Yeah. I would have liked to see a little bit before that, actually, like his background with Hikaru mm-hmm. and uh, the Flying Circus, you know, what yeah. their relationship was like, you know, the relationship of, um, you know, Roy and Hikaru's dad. Because I always kind of got the the impression, both in Macross and Robotech, that um, that Hikaru slash Rick's father kind of uh, viewed Roy as sort of like an adoptive son. Yeah, he was the one that he was proud of. Yeah, and that Hikaru, you know, was also bothered like, hey, you said you were going to come back and you never did. You know, you broke your promise. So, you know, you always, it's just those those few lines of dialogue give you the impression of how deep the relationship is. So it'd be kind of nice to see a little bit more of that, even though it wouldn't happen. But, yeah, you know, <laughs> that and we're just I, talking fantasies here. That and I'd like to know what happened to Kakazaki's steak after he got killed. <laughs> Who actually? Who actually ended up uh, eating it the next day? It was the three Zentradi spies because they were dumpster diving. <laughs> <laughs> so, Solbro. It wouldn't surprise me if they were actually. All, all the ones you guys name are very good. Um, very good candidates for um for. You're Mister. I need to know more about the characters. So I thought yeah. you'd have a slate here. I I, I mean you guys hard mode can't say Saji Crossroad. No, no, yeah. I, I, I wouldn't. But um, there is something that Neo and I have talked about for years. Hmm. Um. I would love to see a series just focused on Shar. Um, during the times that, uh, during the chapters of his life that are not animated, but like in books like um, uh, Shar's Deleted Affair, uh, the stuff that goes down between Zeta Char, and, the series. and Mobile Suit, um, and the time that goes down between when um, he is uh, joining up with Neo Zeon, um, the time before uh, 
uh, Shark's Counterattack and just have an anthology series that uh, covers all of that. You know, it doesn't have to be short. It could be an OVA, but I would love to see that expanded upon and brought That'd to life cool. in animation. I, I think that would be really awesome, especially since um, Ikeda, you know, he's not getting any younger. You know, take advantage of that man while, you know, while Ikeda still will live forever. How dare you insult this man <laughs> the second episode in a row man i'm not insulting him i he want, will I, live, I, no, I want will him live to have forever. his opus i want to have his magnum opus and this series you know everything that the he greatest does character is he's a ever magnum played. opus yeah, everything he does right yes everything he does i just i would think it would be incredible especially for the uh, i'm even, sorry mr ikeda for soul bro and <laughs> I, I love the blast shows mr. Ikeda. ikeda san but um no it, that, it's that ikeda sama to you no, <laughs> <laughs> indeed but um that's something i would really like to see. filthy guy kokujin <laughs> <laughs> that I'll take and, that for now. That and the only other thing, unless Solberg's got something else to say, a little bit, a little thing of like maybe a little bit more of the um, of the uh, the double O guys, um, you know, especially like uh, Alleluia and yeah. um, and uh, Rock On, Lock On, whichever <laughs> one you want to do. So that would be kind of cool. And also um, uh, j- uh, the uh, Captain Jiggles Part Two. Uh, oh yeah, uh, Sumeragi. Sumeragi. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Uh, Captain Bottle. Um, yeah, I got a couple. Um, one that's always gotten to me was uh, Sudoku. You just know nothing about him except the fact that he's from Jupiter. Yeah, that would be the that's man it. too. Yeah. Um, I guess after that, like, I guess kind of going off the sure idea, uh, I would like a bright series. Yeah. <laughs> like post One Year War, um, leading up to the Zeta, and then the founding of Londo Bell and eventually with Hathaway's Flash. I think that would be a really cool series to see. That leads to a question. Would the Japanese ever be willing to do that since um, his voice actor has passed away? I mean, even in the um, even in Super Robot Why not? Games, they're they going to they, they be recorded. using somebody else now. Well, I mean, I don't think they've ever replaced his voice since he died. He, they even used pre-recorded material that he's Before recorded. Before he Super died, he was replaced on one of the Transformer shows by someone who sounds very similar to him. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, and uh, he's going to have to be replaced eventually. I mean, yeah. it happened with Hikaru in in Macross, you know, uh, in the video games, you know, from the PS1 era and beyond, he did some of those early on, but um, after he died, they used audio clips for a while, and then they eventually had to recast him, and he now has an official new voice that sounds very similar that appears in, you know, all of the video games like uh, Ace and all of the Macross games, so it'll yeah. eventually happen with Bright, it'll also eventually happen with Sela. they're still using stock footage uh, you her voice actress because there was tons of it that she recorded for video games but right. eventually they'll have to just bite the bullet and do it but there is precedent for it it's been done before it'll be done I mean hell look at the very long running franchises like Lupin they've gone through changes oh, yeah. in there. they're oh, on their yeah. second Lupin now Yep. and Saze-san Saze-san you know which has been running for like 40 years and has gone through like probably three full voice casts at least <laughs> and I do have one more series I would like to see what's that? Anaheim Electronics Dicks of the Universe it, well, it would be cool to see the background of Anaheim, how they got so, um, <laughs> how they got so kind of powerful in between uh, Zeta and MSG. Um, you know, even outside of some of the stuff that we see, like in Stardust Memories and all that, and the other shows. But it would be kind of see how they became like the forerunners of everything, and how they did the old using all the old Xeon uh, engineers <laughs> and scientists. It makes you wonder if Unicorn's going to get more into that um, as it progresses. And I know it's at least part of the story. So. Just to throw things down, uh, since we're tossing out fantasy ideas for stuff that's never going to happen, <laughs> give me a, uh, a Haman OAV. Oh, hell yeah. Yes, yes. 
just all all Haman all the time. It'll be, it'll be Mashima's uh, oh. wet dream come true. If we can't get um um the Shar show, if we can at least get Shar's deleted affair because she's the other main principal character of that. So the other one I'd like too, uh, you know, and this would probably help the um the legacy of this uh this universe. Uh, sorry, Mister Jabman would be a Altaflaga OVA, you know, the or the the Flaga wow. family tree, you know, and just see why this guy is just kind of. You know, a dick. A, a dick, and you know why he ended up being, you know, all these clones of him, and really what the whole idea behind that was. <laughs> and get Hideo Kojima to write it. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> Straight awesome. Cool. All right. Next uh, in the mailbag, not a question, just a comment from Phylos Master who says just wanted to say thank you guys for MHQ, Mechatalk, and Gundam I've been reading MHQ for a long time but I rarely post on the forums and only recently signed up for an account. I feel you guys deserve more praise for keeping the podcast inside alive. It's become an invaluable resource for Mecha fans. Don't let the trolls get you down. Oh thank man. You. Thank you. Thank you. And our last um, item which is a question comes from Waffleman or Waffleman whichever you prefer. Long time listener first time poster. I just want you to know that you guys do a fantastic job each new episode is a treat it's great having a place to hear intelligent discussion about something you like anyways here are my questions one as more services for digital comics pop up is there a chance for Gundam manga to be available for download it'd be a convenient way to get out of print stuff from Tokyo Pop I would say probably not in America yeah. There's more of a chance of it in Japan, where there actually is a market for Gundam manga. Mm-hmm. Here, it just never took off, so there's not an incentive for it. There'd be no money to make from putting out a product, even if you put it out cheap. Like, hey, you could download an entire volume of, you know, a Cold CL for two ninety nine. Well, if nobody wants to buy it in the first place because it's not that well known, you're not making two ninety nine. You know, you're losing money putting it up there for download. That's true. Yeah, I, I, I hate to be the harbinger of bad news, but, you know, these companies don't do these things just because they want to keep the fans happy. They do it also because they they, they want some type of rate of return. <laughs> yeah, these companies they aren't just putting these things out there like, you know, oh, all these out-of-print fans, all these out-of-print things should be available to, to be preserved. It's like, no, if we're going to bring it out of print, it's because we want to make money off of it. Yeah. No one's doing this out of the kindness of their heart. It's not a it's not a uh, library service. It's not the Library of Congress. <laughs> the Library of Manga. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which brings up a point. You know, if you go to your local libraries, I know the ones here in Orange County, um, they all have manga. So Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So you know And that, you can that's... still find this out of print stuff like on Amazon sellers. Yeah, that mm-hmm. too. It's not that it's not that hard to find if you want all this old Tokyo Pop stuff. Yeah. Uh, Andres, any comment from the Tomo Pop business report? Um, yeah, I really don't see it happening. I like it but yeah it's just not gonna happen write your congressman maybe they'll help you out let's 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 get on the horn right now with uh bill nelson and and marco rubio I, I, I know I know you guys got all these pressing issues and stuff, but uh, I think if you bring up the uh, the the Gundam manga um, distribution act of 2010 or 2011, that that's solely needed for this. Um, there'll be 5,000 people nationwide that'll be affected, but wicked, wicked, wicked. Second question along the same lines. Would it be profitable to release previously untranslated works digitally? Couldn't Kadansha, who seems to want to release their own stuff now, release the turn manga in conjunction with the DVD release? Would circumventing the costs of printing and shipping be incentive enough to try older stuff, or is it just not profitable enough? Well, I think you kind of answered your own question, and same reasoning as the first, you know, question. It's not popular in America, despite what people think. Um... The DVDs sell okay. The video games that come out sell okay, but it's not anything that's really worth anyone 
putting that much of an investment in. Um, as for the DVD release of Turning, I can guarantee you it's probably going to be very like under the radar, minimally advertised, maybe online only. It's not like the DVD release of something hugely anticipated. Like, hey, you know, buy the Kajillion Dragon Ball Z box set and you know get a free download of X volumes for your iPad. So mm-hmm. I could see that stuff being done. Or things that are popular, and that could make sense because, yeah, you know, you're you're cutting out the middleman of a having to print stuff and b sending it to stores. So, you know, for stuff that's popular, you know, it could very well happen. But Gundam just is not at that level to justify it. And and the other thing I'd have to say is, yeah, digital downloads to me are the future. I think that that's the route that we're going to. Mm-hmm. But I think the biggest thing is there's a lot of issues that are going to have to be squared away before anything. I think the biggest thing is going to be the cost of trans transferring everything and the companies are going to be figuring it out. And also too, we're going to have, there's going to be some changes in the, uh, the way the internet and everything is distributed, especially in the U S I mean, um, I hate to, to much to sober chagrin. I, I, I guarantee you the download caps are coming. They're coming. And, um, you know, that's going to affect how the market works too, because if we have it like other countries where you pay for a certain amount and then anything over, you reach that point on a monthly basis, you have to pay that might change the way people start to buy things. So that's going to be the biggest thing that's going to be going on. I I believe, but that's just my opinion, but I was right about the housing market. What? Three years ago. Uh, Yeah, you were. So also, um, Here's another issue is the um, distribution rights because I remember this popped up when DVDs first came out that a lot of these anime companies in America, you know, their licenses for shows specifically said, you know, VHS and LD. They did not cover DVD. Or Blu-ray. Or Blu-ray, you know. So a lot of these companies, you know, they had to go in those days and renegotiate these licenses to include new video formats. And the same thing happened with Blu-ray. So some companies like Funimation were smart about this and, you know, from the get-go started, um, you know, as Blu-ray came out, negotiating for HD rights for yeah. Blu-ray as well. Mm-hmm. So now these contracts, they're more general. So it's instead of just naming a specific home home video format that's going to um, you know be obsolete, you, you have some more room to work with. But it would not surprise me if a lot of the stuff, especially old out-of-print stuff, you know, these licenses, they don't at all include um, digital download devices because these things didn't exist back then. You know, yeah. there was not a market for manga readers on portable devices. So I'm sure if you go, with, go and ask... Well, not that they tell you, but if they, assuming they would, I'm sure Viz and Delray and Tokyo Pop, they would all tell you that, yeah, our licenses do not cover the stuff. Wow. So that's definitely going to be an issue. I would imagine some <laughs> of these companies are probably already now secretly going in the background, going to Kodansha and all these Japanese publishers and, you know, probably quietly trying to renegotiate to get, um, you know, digital distribution rights for these things. I mean, even with the advent of 3D, I think 3D is probably, you know, we just had that earlier news story about um, Ghost of the Shell being converted over to a 3D, but maybe that might even be an issue too, because, um, you know, contracts are very specific. Uh, When you read a business contract, whatever it is, I mean, the legalese, Chris could probably attest to this too, is that, you know, things have to be specifically said, and if they're not, a lot of times that's the loophole. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, or the, or the issue that blocks it from coming out. So, who knows? Well, that wraps up the mailbag for now. So, sorry to bring such a downer on uh, <laughs> Damn You for Three Days. <laughs> and it's like everybody was like a kick their dog. Boo. Go ahead, Chris. Thank you. Is that it for the mailbag? That is it for the mailbag. 
All right. Well, that's it for this first, um, the introduction of episode 68. We'll be going into our first topic, which will be the Holiday Buyer's Guide with Andreas. We'll be back in a little bit with uh, more Gundam and MHQ. Next. I said next. God damn it. This is not the DMV, all right? Move it along. Get rid of everything that creates hate. Everything that helps make it grow. All right, everyone. This is Sil Bosby. And you've heard about... Judo. Judo. Judo Washington. Judo in the junkyard, kids. Well, this fall on WSBR, they're going to be coming to your home. Uh, annoying pest. What are you looking at? Judo is under my control. Join Judo as they go against all the wackiness with the Mashima and the Junkyard guy. And you learn a little things in the end. That's it. This fall, Judo and the Junkyard kids on WSBR for your DVR favorites. Judo, you just watch. I'm going to get you this time. In a world where vivid flashbacks can strike without warning. In a world where a submissive adolescent must pilot a giant humanoid robot to save humanity. In the same world where a two-legged quadruped can run leisurely at the speed of sound with the aid of jewelry. Only one podcast can discuss this with their sanity intact. And this is Not That Podcast www.ssapodcast.com The Ass Backwards Anime Podcast Oh wait, I was supposed to use that voice in the beginning. Uh, let's go again. This isn't the biggest bag over the head. Punch in the face I ever... Gun- This segment of Gundam at MAHQ is brought to you by GoDaddy.com. And welcome back, everyone, to episode 68 of Gundam. This is your host for this part, Andre Serrato. And I will now be conducting with my cohorts here the Holiday Buying Guide, or for those of you who aren't PC, uh, Christmas Buying Guide. So um, let's go over a couple of categories hey it could easily be a kwanzaa buying guide or a festivus buying guide or a oh, winter solstice robonica right, buying like guide a blank holiday here and this will be or a belated a belated hanukkah buying guide we'll provide yes. the soundtrack afterwards so you can have all the voices if you want them to sync up that badly um but first off um, we'll be going over a couple of categories of goods and saying you know what would be good gifts for that individual. So the first category that I have for you guys is the Toonami Nostalgic. 
This is someone who is has a deep appreciation for things that they saw in the year 2000 and 2001. Is this related to the Soulbro 80s nostalgic? That, uh... <laughs> That's another category that we have later on. My goodness. <laughs> With the goggles, including goggles. <laughs> <laughs> Mighty Orbots, here we come. <laughs> Sorry, Andreas. Not a problem. But the first category then tsunami nostalgic and what i would suggest is um either a pair of master grades from bandai of course of the gundam wing variety nice. oh, snap. i would suggest either the 100th master grade wing gundam as it appeared in the tv series which was recently that was released earlier this year and as well as the master grade def scythe version katoki which mm. was two months ago so thinking of this category what would you guys um say about these gifts and what else would you offer well i don't think you can go wrong with um especially any fan of gundam wing because everybody loved death scythe oh yeah and i always thought that wing gundam was the underrated because everybody liked wing zero but you know going back back many episodes ago when we did a, a roundup on gundam wing as i was sitting there rewatching gundam wing i was like you know what i like the wing gundam it's uh you know it's it gets lost because it's kind of uh, replaced, and it, it was always its own suit. It didn't become Wing Zero. It just, um, you know, it ended up just getting like what was it, halfway melted. Yeah. So, it's but piloted by Lady on at the end. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> Those damn women pilots. They Special never, guest pilot, Lady they, on. They, 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 <laughs> they screw up everything, don't they? Huh. That's no, my... I, I, the Death Sight, that Master Grade must look gorgeous because I we, we remember how bad the. Uh, original uh gun the wing models were the ones that premiered back in the mid 90s so oh. for these to get a retread that are in master grade format you know there's got to be awesome um i would love to see one of the tall geeses in a master grade format if um if they haven't done it yet um recently because uh at least uh the first map the first tall geese out of all of them i would, I would love to like see that traces what are you traces is badass i'm not gonna front <laughs> communist <laughs> Uh, all three of them, if they can muster it, although I doubt they would. But it, I, I'm pretty sure out, out of the three, they probably picked the first one. And I, I would dig that if they if they did that. Chris? I think those are pretty good choices. But Andres, what do you think about the fact that um, that the Def Scythe is the Katoki redesign rather than the Okawar original that everyone is so familiar with? Would that be well, a potential problem for some fans? Well, that would be a potential problem. So hence why I put either the wing or the Death Scythe. Um, I actually have both of these kits, and what I did with the Death Scythe was I remember coming back to MHQ way back when, and you know, seeing that white head, I'm just like, God, that would be so much better if it just kept the normal colored head that it had originally. So I just painted it with a colored head, yeah. and wow, does it look great. That's well, there you go. That's yeah. a possibility. And I have one next category, though. It's not, um, I guess I won't open it up, but I just have one item suggested. This is for the Tsunami Nostalgic who spent way too much time watching Lincoln Ball Z AMVs and <laughs> placed firmly up their ass in nostalgia. Woo! <laughs> um, I, I do own this kit, which is why I'm suggesting it. Um, it is a limited kit, which is um, available on HLJ. It is the Lincoln Park edition of the HGUC Gundam Zephrantes. It's the one that came with the album. Yes. Yeah. And I actually do own this kit. A review will be coming up shortly. But, yeah, if you love Lincoln Ball Z back in 2001 mm -hmm. and you like Gundam 0083, you can't go wrong. And don't mind watching a gajillion uh, AMVs set to Lincoln Park. Oh, my gosh. Mm. <laughs> Which was like every goddamn AMV, you know, from circa 2000 to 2003. Yeah, you sit through a contest 
and that's uh, every other AMV was that, especially in the end. Oh God, good lord! I never have to hear that song again. Be, yeah. You know, for me, in the end, and AMVs are inevitably tied to um, on um, the early days of Mecha Talk. Some I mentioned this before. Some crazy guy who made a AMV about how like his life sucks so bad and he can identify with Zeon that they just yeah. could never win. And it was set to end the end, and I was like, you know, oh, I'm sorry that this guy feels this way, but this is like laughably pathetic. I wonder, I wonder if he, uh, I wonder if that guy, if he's still around, if he uh, got those. No, people. he's not. This is like in the very early days of Mechatalk, like I mean, early uh, 2006. Uh, all that stinks because I was gonna suggest for him to get those uh, Operation British uh, sweatshirts. <laughs> <laughs> for the, nice uh, for the genocidal maniac in your life. I'm sure Emperor Palpatine has one. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what they, they were provided for him when he when he heard his charges at the Hague? <laughs> no, he's Palpatine. He has uh, Alderaan sweatshirts. <laughs> <laughs> but it was here. <laughs> well, I guess our next category um, to go off of wing is our you see elitist category. Oh man, can't wait for this one. Well, this be fun. Well, you can't say that this will be red edition to go along with the holidays. Not pink, same in red. Um, I have two shark kits. Actually, three shark kits up for this. Um, the first one doesn't get released until the end of December, unfortunately, but if you're celebrating a late holiday or other festive holiday towards the end, this will be alright. But the Mega Size Edition 148 scale Sharuzaku 2. Awesome. Um, the second kit is again a Sharuzaku 2, this time in 144 scale, but it's the real grade um, Sharuzaku 2, which pairs oh. off the uh, first uh, real grade uh, Gundam. Nice. Um, I really like it. It has a lot of multi panel designs, and it's a very nice kit for giving it size. And then lastly, um, this one's a bit of an older Shar kit, but I am perfectly okay suggesting it, and that is the Master Grade Sharuzaku version 2.0. Yeah. Mm. Um, which is currently on sale on HLJ. I believe it's uh, 2,600 yen, which is not bad considering how badly the yen's been lately. Yeah. No uh, No Master Grade gun tank? Oh. Um, no, I can't really. I don't know. I haven't built it yet, so it's one of those where I've just been kind of ambivalent towards it. And you'll, and you'll probably quit modeling after you build it because it'll be like, I, I can't go on building perfection anymore because <laughs> this is the most perfect kit. It's like... Or maybe it'll be like, I can't ever build anything again after building this piece of crap. Oh. But it's got those arms, man, with the bendy, the bendy arms. Well, I guess... Um, Screw the gun tank. The gun tank, too, could kick its ass anytime. No, no, no. Not when they made the upgrade where you could control it all in, um, up on the top head with you know with that big wide-open canopy. Nothing like going in battle with a big target on your on your face. Nothing glass and protecting you. I prefer the the igloo gun tank minus the uh, the troll ghost that wants you to die. Oh yeah, that too. Or the OAMS team gun tanks. They were pretty cool too. Yeah, except for when they got sliced up by Norris. Man, did they ever get shanked? <laughs> a lot of petroleum and the hydraulic fluid in those things, huh? Oh man, like the scream killer boy. That that mess was brutal. Sorry, Andreas, for hijacking your. Yeah, but um, also, if you're sick of the one-year war and you love Gundam Unicorn, I've said multiple times on this podcast, um, you can't go wrong with the Unicorn kits. Yeah. There's a ton available. Take your pick. They're all pretty much good. The only one I say to avoid, well, actually a pair, uh, would be the HUC Lodo, which has had some problems with its joints breaking, mm-hmm. and the original version Katoki of uh, Unicorn Gundam because its issues have been fixed in the 
second version. You mentioned um, recently on TomoCast that uh, the HGUC Unicorn kits would be um, good starters for someone who's just getting out into modeling. So which Unicorn HGUCs would you recommend specifically? And more broadly speaking, which HGUC kits would you recommend for the uh, UC elitist who's just starting out? All right. Um, the Gundam Unicorn, both the first mode and um, I'm sorry, the uh, Unicorn mode and the destroying mode, those are... So I'd say for a beginner, those were great. If you're looking, you know, for something a bit more, I guess, elitist, we'll say, um, or someone that has a little bit more skill and doesn't really want to work with stickers, but paint, go for either the Sananju or the Kshatriya. Basically, the sleeve units are beautiful, but they will take paint to, you know, get the sleeves on. I love those kits, technically, and, man, they are pretty. Cool. Freaking gorgeous. <laughs> if anything, um, yeah, it's good that um, uh, beginners have a place to start like that. Um, makes me want to to try one of those HGUC kits just to see how um, just to see how They're building nice. one is, goes goes along. Way better than the old. It's a world apart from the old '90s kits. Goodness, yeah, old '90s kits were a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, yes. Moving on to our next thing, I guess we'll move um away for Gundam for now, mm-hmm. but. Um, this next category is um, what I'm going to call the back in my day. Nice. Yeah. You know, for a lot of our older fans, you know, who remember the good old days of swapping VHSs through mail. Oh hell yeah. Um, I do have two offerings, and they're both kind of expensive, but I I think the purchasers would definitely appreciate it. The first one that I have is a Macross piece. It is a one three thousand scale SDF one that is transformable. Oh, oh this, I love that thing. That thing looks amazing. Yeah, I drool every cool. time I've seen that thing. This <gasps> is based off a one two thousand scale kit that Yamato had made last year. But this one will be a little bit smaller, but and more it will be smaller and more expensive. But that's because all the work has already been done for you. All you need to do is take it out of its box. Oh, that's cool. It measures um just over 15 inches in length um when it's in the ship mode, and one thing I will say, the price is as big as the size of this piece. It is 32,800 yen, or about. 400 US dollars. Oh man. I, 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 and to be specific, it's the uh, it's the Daryl version of the ship. So if you uh, had your heart set on having the Prometheus and the Daedalus, you're out of luck. Oh, oh man. Wow. But still though, that I would love to have that in my office. No no uh, wow. no SDF3? No. <laughs> Cuz it's crashed. Yeah, you got you got to wait till they make uh make something of uh what's it what's that mo- oh um Shadow Chronicles, man, when they, when they finally start adapting Mecha from that, which will be never. I'm glad Actually, to hear you say that. that. There are figures of that. Oh, Jesus. Of oh, Shadow Chronicles? Yeah. You wouldn't suggest giving that. that you would give that to people That's a troll gift. Hate. Yeah. To yeah. people you hate, you would give it's it like, a It's like, hey, I heard you like these transforming robot things that turned into like, plants. Here you go. I heard you like Macross, so I got you this thing from Robotech. <laughs> <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> Yeah, because what the bl- the Blu-ray of uh, Shadow Chronicles is what three dollars now at Big Lots probably. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Just remember, you have to pay three dollars and walk into a Big Lots. That's still too much. Yeah, it's about as bad as going to Walmart. At least it's not as crowded. <laughs> um, the next piece that I have for our older fans, this one's a little bit less expensive, but still pretty expensive. Um, 
This one is from Bandai. This is the 1625th scale Solo Chogokin Space Battleship Yamato. Awesome. This comes in at a retail price of 22,000 yen or just about $266.55. Will this come with the Steven Tyler image song for the movie? No. But it does make sounds. Oh, cool. The wave, um, the wave motion cannon sounds and all that? Yes. Uh, six digital di- digital sounds, uh, full-color LEDs for the wave motion gun itself, and the engines. Um, all of the all of the cannons can be moved. It is made of PVC and die cast, so this thing will be heavy. Wow. But it is actually just under 17 inches long, so it will take up a nice bit of room and will definitely serve as a great coffee table piece or just thing to put over your TV. Yeah. Uh, what about my uh, over the mantle of my fireplace? <laughs> Beautiful. Out of the flame shall rise the space battleship Yamato. So yeah, why not? Reminds me of those uh, commercials they have on TV where they talk about people with excess. It's like it's made out of like oh, elephant yeah. hide and stuff. <laughs> It's like the, it'd be the same thing. It's you know, it's made out of die cast, and oh it's got gosh. all these sounds of the wave motion cannon. Need so. to have one of those people be a really rich otaku who's got both those models in his den. <laughs> so. Ninety-three points of articulation. <laughs> I was just reminding me of those bad uh, um, what's your level Gundam model commercials from oh, the early two thousands. Oh yeah, I'm a level eight. I'm a seven. By the way, the Epion cable is stuck on the antenna. Go ahead and look back on the commercial. Look at how the girl assembled the Epion. (laughs) Wow. Is it all retarded? um, The cable from the beam sword is stuck on the Epion's antenna. Oh, jeez. What the hell? Oops. (laughs) That is a model building faux pas. That's just like when you see these these, pictures of uh, girls playing video games, and it's like they've got the controllers backwards, or the TV's not on, or the controllers don't match the console. Well, that's like those uh, that you don't see them as much anymore. But like about a year ago, when you'd see those uh, for all those gaming schools, yeah, they would they would have it where the guys would be like, you know, it'd be upside down or they'd be playing with like a Genesis, uh, a, a wireless Genesis controller. It's like actors that clearly have never played a video game like, console a day of their lives. It's like, what is going on here? They're like throwing the controller all around, like in their hands, as if that's going to have a job you can love. <laughs> it's like okay. Man. Make those right. video games that nobody will play. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Our, our next category, I will move on to... Um, my next category is, I love 80s mecha, but quit talking about Gundam to me. Hmm. Um, and I have... Um, it's, a, it's a duo. Mm-hmm. And this is a nice sale item. But it is a pair of 148th scale Valkyries, the Super Valkyries of both Maximilian Genius and Milia. Oh, cool. What? Perfect for those who share an affinity with someone else. You know, perhaps mm-hmm. they even both have a love of Macross. This would be something that you can get. Um, the VF1J, as piloted by Maximilian, is currently on sale for 50% off on HLJ for just for 9,900 yen, so about $120. Mm-hmm. No, uh, no Sturmvogel? I'd love to have that. Oh, yeah, yes. Right. That actually is available. I believe that is also on sale as well on HLJ. Yeah. Um, will, it do, will it do all the cool things it did in Macross 7? Or do I, <laughs> I just got to imagine? You got to reenact it, man. <laughs> or what about uh, uh, another favorite of mine would be Battle Damage Kakazaki? <laughs> Daryl version. <laughs> wow. <movie>, debris? <laughs> a box of debris. It's like, well, it you push like... a button and it just explodes. <laughs> Comes with a free, uh, a free to go order from uh, the steakhouse. Might as well just put it in the urn and be done with it. <laughs> 
But yeah, actually, both of those are on sale, the Max and Melia version of the Sturmvogel. Cool. Um, well, but, uh, the Valkyrie or the Sturmvogel? Uh, both. Really? Oh, mm-hmm. wow. Um, one other item that I'd like to add, I actually own this, um, but I also have the Virgin Road Edition Valkyrie. Oh, okay. And it comes with little figures of Maximilia in wedding attire. What about Sound Force? Do they have any of those? Because I can't wait to have the uh, the uh, the the Valkyrie with the boobs. <laughs> um, we don't have that one yet, but we do have the one with speakers. Listen so to my song. That's a Valkyrie with boobs was potted by a lolly. I didn't know that you, that uh, that you were suddenly uh, Pedo Bear Central now. No. Not just joking. Yeah, I'm not going to refer to uh, Frontier for this one. But you know, by the way, are... uh, I have something I'd like to add for the "I love the '80s, but stop talking to me about Gundam" category. What's up? Uh, this is also a sale item from a very underrated show that I enjoy greatly. On HLJ, they have for 2,000 yen the 148th scale Real Robot Revolution model kit of the Lasner from SPT Lasner. Oh wow! Snap. So if you like 80s Ogawara mecha designs that are rather Gundamish and um, are like firmly rooted in that real robot 80s design aesthetic, right. the Lasner is just your kit, and it comes with lots of details, including um, openable head cockpit with um, AG figure and uh, a whole bunch of weapons and accessories. Right. And uh, you know, for 2,000 yen for a 148 scale kit, that's you can't go wrong with that. Yeah, that's huge, yeah. man. That is. So, yeah. That, is, that are... is a sale. On HLJ. Yeah, those kits are basically um, master grades if you're familiar with Gundam kits. They're on that level. Jeez, I think it'd be good if HLJ would, um, you know, maybe sponsor us one day. <laughs> that would be good. Maybe they can sponsor well, us like good things come to good, can, good things come to those who wait. Okay. That's all I'll say. I'm waiting. All right. Just they send, if they send me that SDF one, I'll, I'll I'll plug them forever. Dude, you you are the worst negotiator. <laughs> Solberg would not be in those negotiations, Chris. <laughs> No, I would be exempt, huh? <laughs> yeah, the negotiation table. You, you, you can stay home that day. Because, because you could meet with, you could be sitting down with HLJ or Bandai, and they'll show you like some shiny string, and you'll be like, "Ooh, yo, jeez, I'll wants. do anything for you." It's like <laughs> I got the shiny string, guys. Well, they'll, they'll they'll fly us out to their headquarters, be like, uh, "Where's the other guy? This Solbro Ryu? Um, he's oh, sick. sick." Yeah. <laughs> Because um, he was also for a shiny string and a hamburger. Yeah, exactly. Um, Catnip toy. All right, getting back over, but also in 80s nostalgia, um, it is that time. Um, at the end of this month, both Robot Demashis of Elgheim and Elgheim Mark II will be coming out. Oh, cool. Uh, That's nice. That is too I just cool. wish they weren't pricey for Damashis. Damn. Yeah, are, are um, they? They are respectively 4,500 yen and 5,800 yen for the Mark II. Wow. So, yeah. Quite, quite pricey. That's a heavy price for heavy metal, especially Elgon. with the uh, with the exchange rate right now. Hmm. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe things will get better, and then we can get these in the steel uh, as a steel someday. Or maybe I'm just fibbing to myself. Probably that. The, the Hopers and Dreamers. <laughs> there you pattern. go, man. Yeah. Firmly cemented. Just like the live action Gundam, Mobile Suit Gundam. Oh, right. oh man, it's coming. One of these decades. Ah. Andreas, any uh, Transformers Generation 1? Because that would fit perfectly for I love the 80s, but don't talk to me about uh, Gundam. Gundam. All right, for 80s, um, actually, I guess this isn't... You can just put a picture of it in a box, and I'm sure they would be happy. But um, coming up for Transformers um, in the Transformers Legends series, they are releasing a Megatron Walter P-38. Oh, oh my God, that's... Dude, no, no, for real. No, um, that, that, that would just Wait, hold on, hold on, guys. You're coming too fast. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Um, it does have an orange cap on it. Oh, come on! 
I, I was making fun of it because I, I was I was imitating a generation one lover. Uh, good job. So so they went and put the orange uh the the orange add-ons to it. Yeah, um, that actually happened when they released the masterpiece version of it because it was when they were being shipped over to the U.S. Yeah. Since it looks too much like a real gun, they had to put the orange cap on it. But some companies just you know like oh, it's US, like a disco gun. Like U.S. law says they have to like glue it in, but other companies just like kind of like slid it in there and so like and the, yeah you just removed it yourself. But if you are into masterpieces what i would say um recently the hasbro version of it just came out it's available only at toys r us but that is the masterpiece grimlock which is going for 60 dollars oh, wow cool that's pretty cool although the, the pr- price could be lower but you know I, I didn't realize they released the masterpiece grimlock like that that that's i, I used to have lower grimlock man back in the day. You just you just bought yourself a ps3 man you're rolling in the cash i know no. <laughs> <laughs> we we bought that you don't have to explain it to us oh well then awesome but <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Andre. Anyway. All right. Now, my next category, I'm going to move out of the 80s, and I'm going to go a bit further back, but brand new again. Are you um, okay with this? Soul Bro, he's moving out of the 80s. Oh, man. I'm, okay. I'm shedding tears. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. I'm sorry. All right. Um, we don't really get to talk a lot about this, but it will be, I guess, in the future. Um, this is my next category. Um, I like men in suits. I didn't know. You, I didn't know you just flung that way. <laughs> men in suits, like yeah. robot suits, or men in like. Oh, I'm talking common writer. I'm talking to. Oh, okay. Oh man, there you okay. go. That's now I do have suits. a couple of things that you could get. Um, one that I would suggest is the recent um renewed version of the SH Figure Arts Common Rider um Ichigo. Um, it's a great figure. It's been reworked with some new paint, and it's only and it's only twenty five hundred yen, and it's easily one of the most posable figures that you can get right now on the market. Outstanding. Um, if you're into the newer series, of course, you know you're into more Heisei era. Um, I would say go with any of the recent figure arts. It is absolutely one of the best toy lines I've seen. I have yet to find any figure that's really bad or has any faults. I love that toy. Line is the best out there. That's good to Not know because we have a lot of listeners that love Common Rider. Yeah. So. Um, also, if you love Pomo and Common Rider, there is a there are now master grades of characters that aren't Gundam. Um, there are for the One Piece fan, we have Master Grade Luffy. Uh, an upcoming promo um, next year of the Going Merry. Mm-hmm. Oh, so of the actual ship itself? Yes, of the ship. Oh, that is so awesome. Um, I would love to see that. Uh, Goku, Super Saiyan Goku, Common uh, Rider, Cyclone. Psych- Common Rider Double Cyclone Joker, um, mm-hmm. Luna Trigger, and Heat Metal are all being made. Common uh, Rider Skull is coming up, as well as Fang Joker, but that's not until next year. And oh, there's something I'm missing. Uh, um, uh, Ultraman? Um, Ultraman has its own figure line called Ultra Act. Right. It's kind of like figures with the same posability, but they don't use any metal or die-cast parts like the figure arts do, so they're a bit unstable. Right. They don't have as much balance, and they have some issues with breaking that I've seen, so I haven't picked any of those up. Man, die-cast is a lost art, man. I miss it. Yeah. So, Comrade fans, I would say that. Stick with figure arts. Um, if you happen to come across any of the belts, I know they only fit waist up to, I think it's uh, 30 inches. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of a fun toy to play with your hands. It is, they are expensive, but... I honestly love the Kamen Rider belts that I have. I am a collector of them. Nice. But they're just fun to play around with, and I wouldn't suggest going on public them because they're kind of silly. <laughs> you don't say. Yeah, you'd be surprised. Um, yeah. 
But yeah, that would that would be my suggestion for the Comrade fan. Either go with one of the figure arts figures, just pick your series, or even the recent um, Figma, if you're familiar with that line of figures, has released um, their own Comrade figure this time based off Dragon Knight, which was the American adaptation here, and now it's airing in Japan, so they were able to get a loop around Bandai, and that's how they got that license. Oh, nice. All right, so I guess I have one last category, and that is. You have a lot of money and you have no idea what to do with it. <laughs> and also slash our this is our official Jetman zero twenty five Defender of Destiny category. Word. <laughs> he would love this. Alright. Now um it comes out on December tenth, so just right around the corner, if not already. But it is the perfect grade edition of the Strike Freedom Gundam. Ooh, with gold what? joints and everything. Gold joints, lights up, um, special light up base um, for the sole asking price of uh, twenty five thousand yen. Does it include? Does it include the Strike Freedom and uh, lead character hijack mode? <laughs> yeah, that is a given with this release. Um, it you will have lots of gold, lots of lights, and of course, lots of beam spam. Hey, can I ask you a question, Andreas? Shoot. Why no real love for the Freedom when it comes to the model? Did it just not... I mean, it's like, okay, Strike Freedom... I'm not a big fan of that suit at all. And I, it's like, if you're, it, to me, if you're going to... The better looking suit was the Freedom. Yeah, I definitely agree with you there. I mean, um, The real okay. reason, sales. Really? But, I mean... I it's, it's kind of the philosophy of you always promote your more recent things rather than the older ones yeah but even even when even when um before destiny when seed was still kind of you know the you know the last show it just never seemed like it was more strike and rightfully so because strikes a really cool suit but you know the freedom was a pretty damn cool suit too well it transitioned two shows too it it was through the second half of seed and then it was almost through the uh, i'd say to one of the episode somewhere in the halfway, 30s, halfway, to halfway the, through yeah. um, Destiny, so it was around for a good long after, while. After Locus gave him the keys back, but yeah. they, they push they push the Strike Freedom like nobody's business in video games, and yeah. you know with all of these model kits and toys. So you know they they've got their full force behind that Strike Freedom. Damn, unfortunately, that's like the thing behind it. I would have totally gone for a perfect grade Freedom over Strike Freedom. Yeah, mm-hmm. but it's just the market over there. So they're doing what's good for them. So if it makes them money, they're not going to really pay attention otherwise. And the two suits aren't that different, so I'm sure they could just recycle the frame for Strike Freedom and then eventually yeah. just make a um, perfect grade Freedom, just like how um, they the did with red strike. frame was based off of the Strike perfect yeah. grade. And the Rouge. And the Rouge. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's just palette swaps at that point. But that's what always killed me was they had a perfect gray rouge <laughs> instead of a perfect gray freedom. Once again, I know it's because they did the whole head swap or color palette swap thing, but still, it's just like, man, I'm sorry. Just it's okay. Let, let it out. Let it out. You'll <laughs> feel, feel your pain and grow from it. <laughs> there you go. Only thing that can help me is an Operation British sweatshirt. That. When are well, you going to get one? Can't wait to wear that out. <laughs> out to the club. We could get you an Operation British patch. There's yeah. a patch? Yes. Oh, wow. Does it look like what's on those shirts? Or those sweatshirts? Um, 
where it's got like it's it looks like kind of like something you'd see like with the united states air force it's like a badge it shows the earth with the colony falling yes, on it with it lightning bolts yeah, on both the, sides yeah yeah that's the patch actually nice that's awesome huh <laughs> so you can just get the your patch hat. and done you gotta you go to uh freaking uh truck rallies with that patch it's like uh, yeah man i was an operation british i'll be like all right man they don't know what you're talking about but they'll think it's awesome yeah they'll be like that's a pretty cool patch what's it what's it mean oh it just talks about the genocide of you know millions of people by uh, dropping something from space onto a onto australia actually real luck um that patch came out in 2007 but it is being restocked this month. Um, it's the Xeon One Week War campaign patch. Oh, cool. Um, it is 1,200 yen. Mm -hmm. uh, that's yen well spent. So you're looking at about $15. In addition to that, you can also get an Abawaku souvenir jacket. <laughs> um, souvenir in what way? For the Federation <laughs> side or for the, uh, for the Xeon? Because <laughs> wouldn't that dictate what's on it? <laughs> yeah. In addition, I do have one more shirt. Um, there is also a Revenge of Ide um, emblem patch. But uh, for the true person, if you want change in today's society, I suggest nothing more than the shirt um, produced by the Cospa uh, company. It is a shirt of Giran Zabi in the classic Obama icon, blue-red with Sieg Zeon at the bottom. Oh, <laughs> Jesus. So you're telling me this is that wow. this is that uh, print of Obama that says hope on it, but it's got Garen Zabi's face and it says Zig Zion. Yes. <laughs> wow. I own this shirt. That is crazy. Oh my god. I, I think genocide would have been more appropriate. I know. Hate. <laughs> yeah. Hate would have been would have been poignant. No, right you need there. you need to print up one of Austin and have it say hate. Yeah. That that. Oh my god. Woo. Man, you know, it sounds Screw like... Screw I'm going to make that for next year. You should. General <laughs> hate shirts. Oh, God, we should do that, to be honest with you. Um, but, you know, what, what's so funny is I, you feel like all these things should have been uh, come with, um, you know, the re-release of uh, Igloo. Or or would that be that guy's uh, gloves, Mr. Uh, Space Nazi and Mr. his Mr. Leather Fetish. Yeah. <laughs> well, it actually did come out in 2000... was it? The patches all came out in 2007 along with Igloo. Oh, so God. for all your space Nazi needs. Oh, and if you have absolutely no idea what to do with money as well, you can order a pair of RX seventy eight brand jeans from Costco. Only twenty three thousand yen. Whoa, what? What's that? What's <laughs> that end up being? Twenty three thousand yen. You're looking at about two hundred seventy dollars. Goodness. So this is like, oh man, huh? Man, what, what what is on this? It's like some, there's some big thing down the leg that says RX seventy eight dash two. Fashionable like that. Well, they have like an imprint. Like um, the wrinkles are done like the two little blocks that are on the skirt. Oh God, man, are you serious? Yeah. There's also a pair of Xeon jeans as well. Mm -hmm. What is that? What's that have? The Blood of Millions on it? <laughs> <laughs> remember, remember a couple years ago when like splatter jeans were the thing? They'd have like you'd buy those jeans that have like paint splatter. They have like uh, bleach splattered stains on yeah. it. This is just bl the Blood of Millions <laughs> splattered on your pants. Oh, I do have one last item, I guess, to close out. These are gifts if you just want to waste money, right? You just yes. You can get those. It, 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 it's actually it's actually more enjoyable buying this than just burning your money in a in a bowl in front of you. Man, you can get those you can get those jeans and wear them with those Char sneakers that they came out with a couple of years ago. No, you don't mix that stuff, man. That's dude. cool. That <laughs>
Char stuff's cool. This isn't. Oh. I have one last item for you guys. Um, I guess to sort of tie everything together that we've talked about today. Um, how would you guys like a sweater that lets you look like an ad guy? I've, I've seen this. I think I've seen it too. The best part is you fold. I believe when you fold over the hood. Yes. Um. Let me see. Oh no, I'm sorry. The when you fold the head over, it does not have the um mono eye or anything like that. It just has like the body of the ad guy. This is that guy's love. So feel free to put a bear head on yourself and call yourself a Gundam. <laughs> yeah, I was just gonna say, man, I want I want, I want my bear Gundam because clearly that is a Gundam, despite what anyone may say otherwise. Because because you know it's funny, right? There's no cool. There's no cool things like uh, the uh, Shuichi Ikeda alarm clock. That would be cool. Or you wake up every morning and he yells at you. Blame well, awakening on the misfortune of your birth. <laughs> <laughs> The nice. misfortune. <laughs> Blame the awakening on the misfortune of your job. Yeah, exactly. That'd be awesome. The misfortune of employment. <laughs> the misfortune well, of, of employment, employment. You can have an Anaheim Electronics work T-shirt. Oh shoot! Oh cool. That's really cool. Just not. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh, yeah man. <laughs> <laughs> What's it look like? Will Will it go well with my RX seventy eight dash two jeans? Um, it's basically like a dicky shirt, but Anaheim Electronics. Yeah, I mean, you can wear that out in public, no, oh, but so people like, think it's a real company. <laughs> does it say, like, uh, chip on the, on the other, on the patch? No, you do have to add that yourself. I know Chris would put Nina. <laughs> oh, yeah. Maybe if her blood was on it. Or that, or that douchebag from, uh, Unicorn. Um, you Alberto. can also get the Alberto. jumpsuit and dress like that, um, the Amazon woman. Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah, yeah, that... Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Cosplay ideas. I <laughs> know that's cool. Um, uh, it's like um back in the day when I used to see people wear uh Capsule Corp shirts before Dragon Ball blew up. I was like, you know, no one would know that's from Dragon Ball until it aired on Tsunami. Then you know that that was all over. But I see people out and about wearing Anaheim Electronics shirts. That's that's actually really cool. I just think the celebration of uh, genocide is just that's a that must be the hot fashion trend for this year's Christmas season in Japan. <laughs> I just um. I, I know I like I like shirts that have fake logos, uh, folk logos for companies that aren't real. You know, just like you know you'd see for like you know regular corporations and you know anything like that is pretty cool. Um, whether it be from Gundam or um, a Stark Enterprises shirt from Iron Man or a Wayne Enterprises T-shirt or something like that, that's just pretty neat. Stark Industries. Stark. Oh yeah, Stark Industries. I'm sorry. Okay, I did find one more random item. Mm-hmm. How about a commemorative white base cafeteria fork and spoon set? <laughs> What about salt and pepper? Set? I was about to say, man, it better have a salt, salt shaker on there. Yeah. <laughs> well, as you know, white face is out of salt. Oh, well, they damn. they found some, didn't they? Yeah, they found it because you can't get you can't go on without salt. They found that ocean bed. There is also a Zeta Gundam. You will see the Tears of Time T-shirt. Nice. <laughs> Actually, that'd be a cool alarm clock too. Oh God. You will wake up for the tears. You're you're waking up for the tears of time. The tears of traffic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you do want to form your own Gundam militia with your friends, I'm going to finally wrap up with this. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen it, but Xeon camouflage wear. Oh, really? What's that look like? Is that like a Basically, tree print? It's camouflage, but it's made up of Xeon mobile suits. Okay. That's pretty cool. Does it have the Zuda on it? The suit that can't go over 50 miles an hour? Here, all of a sudden, you guys can get an idea here. What about the Sirocco headband? <laughs> um, those are available at your local Michaels. Should you buy a pair of ribbons? <laughs> 
<laughs> I just went to Michael's with the wife the other day. I have this is too funny. The Alice band. <laughs> so, well, that's mad informative, Andres. Man, that's awesome. All I, got, I got a few uh, things to throw in for myself. Go for it. What you got there? Okay. Um, you know, I've been recently digging the um, new Super Robot Wars anime, so there's a couple of uh, things that are out, and uh, one of them is a Super Robot Chogokin Alt Ison, oh. which you can get for about 3,400 yen on sale at AmiAmi. It's a great figure, and um, you know, it's got the whole red thing going on and uh, awesome posability with mm-hmm. lots of possibilities. <laughs> and uh, although this may generate some hate with super extremist fans who you know just scream Huckbine, Huckbine, Huckbine all day and night. Mm-hmm. There is a composite version Katoki X-Bine that's coming out. It's on sale for uh, 4200 yen on AmiAmi. It's out in April oh. and uh, it's a great design of the robot and comes with some really nice accessories. Alright. Oh, cool. Wow, that's, yeah, that's sounds like you get a lot for your buck. Oh, oh yes, they're, they're both they're both quite nice looking. So, And of course if anyone out there on the World Wide Web would uh, like to get me these things for, for Christmas, I Certainly wouldn't mind. Man, add them to the Amazon just wish doing, list. Just doing some whoring. I know you want that Operation British sweatshirt. You want oh, the sweatshirt yeah. or the jacket, the track jacket? Well, speaking of whoring, remember follow me on Twitter at this foundation. Yes, indeed. All one word. Was that it? Everything, uh, Andreas? Yes, that is all for my um, holiday buying guide. I hope that you all, everyone that is listening, have. A great holiday season, whatever you choose to celebrate or not celebrate, just enjoy the season and stop trying to ruin it for the rest of us. <laughs> okay, cool. So uh, I guess we'll be back in with our next segment after this. You're listening to uh, Gundam at MHQ. This episode of Gundam is brought to you by GoDaddy.com. Right now they're offering special discounts to our listeners. Just simply go to GoDaddy.com and use the code GUN8 for 10% off any order not already discounted. GUN9 for $5 off purchases that are $30 or more on any items not already discounted. .com domain names are as low as $749 if you use the code GUN10. And last but not least, code 20H1. For 20% off hosting plans. For more information, you can go to Gundam.net and click on the GoDaddy link in the Sponsors and Special Offers section. Don't wait too long. The domain name you've always wanted might be claimed by someone else before you know it. Register with GoDaddy.com today. Greetings. I am Andrew Cook, the host of Pretentious Internet Theater. Each month, I bring you the finest in literature that internet fan fiction has to offer. Join us, won't you? At tinyurl.com slash pitpodcast. Remember, there is much drama on the internet, but only the best makes pretentious internet theater. Man walks down the street in that hat, people know he's not afraid of anything. Goddamn straight.
Brought to you by Petco. Hey everybody, welcome back to Gundam at MAHQ. And uh, this next segment, we're going to do an anime spotlight, which we haven't done in a while and has been requested to return for a while. So uh, we are going to be lazy and do Cowboy Bebop. So uh, if you don't want to hear about this show, uh, too bad, because we're doing it. Oh, and spoiler alert for anyone that hasn't seen it. If you didn't watch one of the five zillion broadcasts on Adult Swim. If you lived in like... uh... If you lived in like a cave, a, a cave or a, a refugee camp for the last 15 years, that's that's just too bad. Blame it on Emperor Palpatine. <laughs> Go to the Hague, Chris. Uh, Cowboy Bebop. Tell us about it. Uh, it's a show that starts and then ends. <laughs> no, uh, I mean we're not. There's really not much of a need to get into the story because um, everybody knows it so well. But uh, you know, just basically, it's a show about bounty hunters in um, space, future space. where. Earth has been um, ruined by a space gate accident that blew up the moon and um, just ravaged the planet because you have chunks of uh, the moon falling on the planet every single day. So humanity has relocated to Mars and to various other planets and its outlying satellites. And, uh, you know, you got sort of a wildless atmosphere with bounty hunters hunting people down for money. And, of course, we have a story focusing on some... Uh, unlucky bounty hunters who sometimes get small fries and even if they do land a decent score they have to end up paying for all the damage they've caused <laughs> so we might as well split it up here into a couple of different um, categories uh, you know since the show was mostly self-contained episodes um, you know, we'll talk about those, but I think first we should talk about the story arc of the series, the vicious episodes, which focus on Spike's past as part of the syndicate and his uh, lost love, Julie. So what do you guys think about the five episodes that comprise the vicious arc? It's almost like you can separate the show between the two and, and, and the vicious arc. It, it, it stands out. Um bringing along a lot of uh, great episodes uh you know of course a lot of people cite uh the uh battle of ballad of fallen angels episode five that you know that's it i'm sure a lot of people would probably go on to say that's probably one of their favorite episodes right there because it introduces uh vicious and gives you a little bit of insight on uh, on spike's past you know most of the episodes don't but you get a little taste but in this one you get you know kind of a full course on that one and um visually that episode is stunning you know it's very cinematic and um you know, from start to finish, it just plays like uh, it. It's, it would be an anime. I would you know for anybody who would be interested in getting into animation for for anime or just animation period, it'd be one. It would be an episode of a show. I would show a class of um, students who would uh, who would be interested in becoming animators, and um, you know it's just it's just that good. But um, overall, that arc to me, it it it's. I can almost separate the two. Sometimes I don't like to think about it because how it ends, <laughs> and um, most of those episodes have a more serious tone than uh than the other ones that uh, uh that's are sprinkled between but um still it, it, from from start to finish it's 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 a roller coaster ride and um it gives a little more insight into spike and makes him more of a three-dimensional character when it comes to those but neo what's your thoughts on on that arc well i guess um the way of stating that yeah it is kind of a separate um it's kind of separate from the overall show it does it does make a little sense because uh, for the most most of the episodes that aren't part of this arc, um, the other 21 episodes, 
Uh, Spike has got more of that carefree kind of jovial, not jovial, but kind of a kind of a jokester, little cynical, kind of a smart ass type of feel to him. But it, you definitely see the the difference of his character in this because it is his past coming up. It's dealing with um, a woman that he loved that betrayed him basically, but still wants him back, and a, and a man that was once his friend that just wants to kill him, <laughs> and. Um, there's really nothing serious um, in any of those, or nothing kind of comical in those five episodes, except I think it's at the end of episode five when he's like in the mummy suit after getting beat up, <laughs> and he s- says something to Faye about like I forget what it, what it was about, but like she puts like an orange peel on his head or something like that and kicks him. And, you know, because he can't really talk because it's funny because they have him, like, just mummified, basically. Yeah. Got- well, the thing is, she ate the orange that he wanted and That's then just right. left him the peel. That's right. That was that was in Pierre Lafoe, actually. I know the the first time he was, was mummified. Yeah. The first time he was mummified was in was was in Ballad of Fallen Angels. And um, he said her singing sucked because he he was dreaming of uh, of Julia singing. And then he uh, woke okay. up and Faye was humming the same while. song. And then he just he he drew, he had to draw closer to him because she couldn't understand him from afar. You said you're you're out of you sing out of tune. You sing out of tune. And she okay. beat the crap out of him with the pillow that his head was against. <laughs> okay, but that's like the that's like the only like kind of like you know yeah whimsical moment or you know kind of you know nice moment that they have in those because it's pretty de- it's pretty damn depressing and you just see it's like you know but it's depressing in a good way because yeah. you see that you know sometimes um, the thing with uh, the the one thing about Cowboy Bebop that I think within all of the characters is they're all trying to get away from their past mm-hmm. and with the the vicious arc it shows that um, you know Spike could not he had to face his past and yeah. as much as he wanted to try to run away from it he couldn't and, and they all kind of have the same thing because Faye gets it later on when the you know she gets that video cassette and oh, then yeah. um what is it uh Jet with uh, his friend that betrayed him that actually you know was the cause of him getting his arm and blown off and you know leaving the force you know the um was it the ISSP mm-hmm. the Interstellar Police whatever so yeah, Black Dog Serenade but um yeah the the vicious arc is great um hate to break it to people he is dead at the end <laughs> I know that there's always. There's always this big speculation of, oh, he didn't really die. Blah, blah, blah. He's dead. He's Looking dead at all the hell. things that Spike did survive, though, uh, you know he didn't live oh, through that. God. But he's like, dreamers. man, I, no, 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 no. I am, I am quite at rest when it comes to the fate of Spike. And so is he. Yeah. He's, <laughs> a, he's, he's probably decomposing on the top of that building uh, as we speak. So, man, that's my inside of the vicious art, Chris. Hit us with your exquisite knowledge and um, fascist. Uh, Fascist sensibilities word. fascist sensibilities and uh <laughs> your elitist your elitist attitude towards word. all of us peons uh anyone who thinks differently from me is wrong there you go <laughs> you know um thing about the the whole show but in particularly in the vicious arc is you see like how cinematic the show is mm-hmm. and they talk about it in you know the creators that you know they um treated each episode as if it was a mini movie yep. and it really comes across you see all of the influences uh, certainly in Ballad of Fallen Angels, like the double gun wheeling, certainly uh, is early John Woo. Yeah. Yes. Yes, indeed. Uh, <laughs> you know, you see in all of the characters and in sort of like the, the general atmosphere a very heavy uh, Lupin sense. Mm-hmm. You know, Spike is sort of the rascally guy who takes um, crazy chances. Uh, Jet 
is his uh, devoted partner kind of resembles Jigen, even down to them having kind of similar beards. Right. Yeah. Faye is the femme fatale who's always looking out for herself above all other things, very much like Fujiko. Mm-hmm. Where's Goyamon? Don't say Ed. <laughs> Goyamon is Ein. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you were doing well there for a second. <laughs> No, but you can definitely see like no. how much of an influence Lupin had. Oh, even in Spike's clothing, it's very influential. It looks like Lupin's kind of suit, you know, the the way it's kind of cut with the high waters and the shoes and everything. That always reminded me. You know, and the thing that um, what I really like about uh, the vicious arc, the exploration of Spike's character, and a thing that's kind of touched on in the movie, which we'll get to later, mm-hmm. is that Spike is kind of a guy who's living on borrowed time. Yeah. And you know every. You can see, like, just how by how bored he is during the show. Mm-hmm. That, um, you know, it's sort of like every day is just the same thing over and over again. And, yep. you know, <laughs> he's kind of in the end questioning, you know, is he even alive? Yeah. Yep. You know, I, when he when he walks out when he's leaving uh, the ship, he says to Faye that he's, you know, he's going to find out if he's alive. Wow. Going after Julia, which you know I think is like a really powerful statement from him given his usual, like, laid-back, doesn't-care-about-anything attitude, but the fact that it's about Julia and Vicious totally changes how he thinks about stuff. Yeah. And for the issue of, is he dead or not, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious, given all of the foreshadowing before this, uh, Mm -hmm. with his various meetings with the Indian guy. Yep. um, Who tells him at the beginning of the the two-part finale, Real Folk Blues, you know, he's talking about, um, you know, how... um, you know, stars fade out and, you know, people die and yada yada. And at the very end, after you see Spike just laying there, uh, you, you see a star fade away. Yep. That's exactly right. And all of the, the finality of, you know, him leaving and, um, you know, when he tells Faye about his artificial eye and he tells her, you know, I have one eye that sees only the present and another that only sees the past and she's all like freaked out and she's like oh you never told me anything about yourself before don't start now and you know there there is that finality of you know him having that last conversation with Jet and having a last conversation with her and leaving and of course you know he means serious business when he puts his trench coat on yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> definitely so with all of that symbolism and all of you know the thematic exploration of is he just living or is he alive? How could you not think that he died at the end of that, especially given that the only thing he had to live for was Julia and she got killed right in front of him. Yeah. And it also it also shows to me it's it's one of those things where um it kind of shows in that arc that sometimes um people need to express their feelings and like sometimes it's okay to say you know, like with that whole thing with Faye and at the end, it's like, you know, you can see that she actually had f- some type of feelings for her. And, you know, sometimes as people, we wait to the to the um, last minute to the best moment that we think to say something. But it, there's never, ever a b- best moment. You know, sometimes you have to go out and you have to say certain things. And even this conversation with Jed, you know, it's like these were things that were kind of pushed off to the side for the longest time. And you know it, it took something like this for them to get out their true feelings of each other so 
you know, for their friendship or whatever. So, and the you know the constant pushback, the idea that maybe he survived. I think this stems from something that happens quite commonly with fans, and I can understand this: that when something is so good that you really enjoy it, it's so amazing, you don't want it to be over, you don't want yeah. it to end, but you kind of have to acknowledge that it is over. There's not going to be any more. I mean, you know, the show was obviously very successful um, enough to make a movie sequel. Mm-hmm. But uh, this movie is actually set during the TV show. If they really wanted to make a definitive point of if Spike is alive or not, nothing was stopping them from setting this movie after the TV show. But yeah. they chose to set it during the TV show, near the end of the TV show. Right. So, you know, they wanted to have Spike after the uh, Real Folk Blues two-parter. They could have done it in that <laughs> movie, but they didn't. So I think that tells you, I think that's your answer right there to the question of, is Spike dead or not? Because even the manga that they've done for it, that was like a, that was almost like a prequel to the to the show, wasn't it, Chris? I think it was like some story, stories before Faye or something like that. So. I've never read the manga, actually, so can't help you there. <laughs> that's uh, what I thought. That, I mean, I never had a chance to see it either, but... Moving on, uh, what do you guys think about the individual self-contained episodes that, that make up the bulk of the show and any particular standouts? I have a... I have a... I won't, I won't go too much into them, but I, I do have you a... Can't list, you can't list all 21 I standalone episodes <laughs> as your highlights. I won't. I, I, I have eight, though, that um, I can run through really quick. Because um, I, I, when it comes to Bebop, I like the weird episodes, and and, and some of the ones that um are really dramatic. Um, my favorite character on the show is Jet Black, hands down. He he to me is uh I, as much as I like Spike and the other characters, Jet was always the character that um I just enjoyed his dialogue and the way his character came across. And uh, the first episode I I really loved was Sympathy of the Devil, Sympathy for the Devil, the one where Spike takes on the uh, the immortal kid. Who apparently um, found immortality during uh during I guess an incident that uh it was on the, I think he it found was the space gate the yeah, space gate explosion he um he found immortality that day while his parents were killed through the exposure of the uh the space gate explosion um and Spike has to end up taking him on and you know he gets assistance from Jet and everything but it's something he takes upon himself to do especially in um respect of the man who well, died the trying was, the to uh, kill him other people. he was, was an assassin yeah he was trying to I guess he was siphoning off their lives in order to uh, yeah. keep himself immortal so um you know he was pretty much a walking supernatural being it was almost like a twilight zone episode where uh you know Spike just just charges himself to take this kid out you know even though he's in the guise of a child he's evil personified and um it's just nice to see that contrast in that episode. Um, Waltz for Venus is a personal favorite of mine, um, where Spike um, ends up pairing up with this one uh, lowly thief, uh, Rocco, who ends up, um, he's oh, on the, the run. The doomed to die guy. Yeah, the doomed to die guy. It's almost almost another foreshadowing of what Spike will end up um, towards later on in the series, but uh, he befriends this guy, Rocco, and Rocco's on the run from this mobster because of something that uh, I believe he stole. And, um, you know, yeah, at the plan. end, as as light as the episode is uh, throughout the run of it, you know, there's, there's a couple sad moments in there. And then it eventually ends with Rocco's death. And that's just a real, you know, melancholy moment in the series. But it's a really good um, moment with Spike because he befriended that guy. And to see that, that guy just get killed all of a sudden was, was, was a shock. I didn't expect him to die towards the end. Um, Ganymede LG is another favorite of mine because if uh, Jeff, you get a little insight on Jet with him and his uh, former girlfriend or fiance, you know, the fact that she left him because he was so in, 
enraptured with his uh with his job and I, I can't remember if she was still with him after he lost his arm or she in the flashback she left him before she left him yeah. before so yeah he was he he was so dedicated with his job at the time that he didn't i guess he didn't appreciate what he had and then she ends up with this loser thief guy who um <laughs> uh jet has to come back and bail them both out from uh from the danger that they both find themselves in towards the end and you know begrudgingly but he does it out of whatever love he has left for her um moving on with jet another episode i really enjoyed is black dog serenade uh that episode to me is one of my favorites in the series where you get the story of how jet lost his arm and the episode that you had mentioned earlier where uh you found out his partner was on the take with the syndicate yeah and um who actually pretty much was responsible for him losing his arm all the while jet thought it was this uh the syndicate head that he was after all that time where uh he eventually had captured but it was the uh incident that caused jet to leave the issp in That's the first one with place Budai, isn't it? yeah Budai, yeah. the black guy <laughs> but yeah um where uh, jet pretty much goes to this prison ship that's been hijacked to face him down and then um along with his partner and his partner uh he finds out the the truth behind how he lost his arm during that time uh the next episode I, I i love to death is speak like a child that's the one with the beta tape that uh spike and jet go out of their way to find a player for in order to find out what's on the tape yeah and um the tape apparently was delivered to faye faye didn't really give a damn because the tape you know would, would have cost her a fortune to pay the the shipping fines in or shipping up uh, the shipping po- the postage for but um towards the end of the episode after they go through all that trouble to get that um the beta player which they don't get they get a vhs player um <laughs> the beta player is delivered to them and they all get to sit down and watch this tape and you find out that it's a a big piece of faye's missing past when she was much younger the past that she can't remember and it, it's a it's a tearjerker ending i you know just to get hit after all the fun that episode provides to get hit with all that all, all that dramatic uh flair towards the end was really cool um uh of course this is probably everybody's one of everybody's favorites uh next episode just is, like all the other ones you mentioned yeah well no no <laughs> I, I don't think i don't think all of those are favorites because yeah. i i talk to people about bebop all the time and they never mention just most continue. of these apps just continue. okay pierre lafoe that episode i remember spooky I remember being at a party and I, my deep, my, my tape, my VCR was recording it at home. I was at a party and we were getting ready to leave this party when this episode aired on Adult Swim and we had just started and we did, we were getting ready to leave and we ended up sitting there and watching this entire episode play out because it's gripping from start to finish. It's just an oddball episode where Spike is in the wrong place at the wrong time and runs into the most feared killer in the universe. <laughs> as he's um as he's committing an assassination and um how he has to go pretty much up against the supervillain in order to take him on and um and to to take him out and it's just by pure pure luck that's genetically altered yeah there's a super assassin super assassin yeah you're right but um yeah how spike has to take him on with pretty much no weapons but his gun and pure luck and 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 a little help from cats everywhere but (laughs) then there's a cowboy funk where Spike goes up against his uh his his long time I wouldn't say long time rival but his universal rival Andy. Now that's actually one that people don't talk about. Cowboy Funk. Yeah. Yeah. That's I love actually one. I love that More episode. More so than the other ones you mentioned. And there's a significance behind that episode because when the show was originally airing, uh, 9/11 happened right before this episode was to air, and they ended up taking it out of the run because there is a scene at the very beginning where uh the the Spike and the and the, one of the antagonists in the episode, the Teddy Bomber are in this building and Spike is after him and the teddy bomber sets some explosives up to blow up the centerpiece that's between the buildings, kind of a bridge. And the buildings look eerily like kind of like a, a futuristic Twin Towers. And since 9-11 just happened, 
Yeah, not they're just ridiculous. They're just too ridiculously tall. Yeah. Twin buildings. It's they don't really look very much like just twin towers at all. Yeah, it's probably because of bombing. Yeah, it was just yeah. because you had these two identical, really tall buildings that got bombed. That's it's not. They don't have any architectural. Yeah, uh, they, connection at all to the World Trade Center. World Trade Center, but yeah, since it involved terrorism, I would think it was one of the reasons why um, Adult Swim decided not to run it initially. It's it's since aired on Adult Swim, but um, back in the day, a couple runs through a Cowboy Bebop, it never aired. And um, but speaking of terrorism, I think uh, it's interesting uh, the timing that the movie came out in Japan on mm-hmm. September first, two thousand one, and deals quite heavily with bioterrorism. But we'll oh, get to that yeah. Show. Yeah, that is very true. And you know, just shortly before, of course, that incident, man, yeah, um, yeah, it does deal heavily. And you know, of course, the end set piece is uh, them, um, you know, the setting off a, a biochemical weapon during a, a big gathering. So it's yeah, it definitely touches a nerve there too. But the last episode I'll I'll bring up is Brain Scratch, which to me to to me in retrospect feels like a Ghost in the Shell standalone complex episode. <laughs> yeah, kind of. It, it does. It's, very, it's kind of like Solid State Society. Yes, yes, it is, man. And just, just what the what it deals with the fact that you know it just in direction and feel it. It's it. It almost feels, seems like a uh, kind of a uh, a template for what they do in Ghost in the Shell um, standalone complex. The way the episode flows and how they figure out who's behind something and how they take that person down and just all the different storylines coming together towards the end of the episode. It's 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 it feels like a Ghost in the Shell episode before uh, before that show aired. Okay, well, and since we've got you um, telling us of your love for for Cowboy Bebop, before we move on, why don't you tell us episodes that maybe you didn't like so much, oh, if there man. are any. I'm not a big fan, and we, talk, we, we talked about the Vicious episodes just now, but the Jupiter Jazz uh, uh, two-parter, I'm not a big fan oh, of. Oh, you don't like androgynous guy? Uh, no, it, it, he was cool. He was guy. cool, and his whole story was cool, but it's just, it, it, like, the worst episode of Cowboy Bebop is better than some of the best episodes of some of the animes I've watched. What's the worst episode, in your opinion, of Cowboy Bebop? Those are the episodes I probably don't look forward to watching the most. Out really? of out of those, yeah, I I just I I it's just something about them that um you know it it's it's part of the vicious story and you know I have to watch it in order to you know continue to what to know what's going on but um you know I could skip those if I if 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 I really don't feel like watching those um I guess the other episode I'm not big about is the episode where Ayn gets first introduced as much as I like Ayn as a character it it's a fun episode and everything like that and and it's one of it's Bebop during one of its tonally lighter moments but um. After watching the first episode where, you know, you get you, you fall in love with the show, it's it's not as uh it's not as gripping as the first episode. Oh, with, uh, Space Penelope Cruz. Yeah, Space Penelope Cruz and Antonio Bendetas. <laughs> Space I am Desperado. Not pregnant. Oh, man. But yeah, it's it, it, it seems a lot lightheartered. And I understand that was the first episode aired in Japan because I think when um, Bebop came out it was well, they were like, it was like a clusterfuck of like they aired episodes out of order and they only aired half of the series initially. Yeah, because I think um, part of the gimmick was when people bought it on tape or uh, later on DVD, they would get to see episodes they didn't see on television. So they only aired like uh, half the series. Yeah, and I believe uh, in that original TV broadcast, I think Jupiter Jazz was the series finale. Wow. As such. Um, and then later on in Japan, they did a full broadcast of all 26 yes. episodes. Yes, on WOWOW. Wasn't it more popular in the States and then like it got popular over here because Adult Swim brought it over and then it got kind of a resurgence, I guess, because of that in Japan. 
or not not really because was, was um, just a slow burn type of show. It was it was very popular in Japan because they had the movie that came out and the movie came out in Japan at the same time that the show started airing here. Yep. So it's kind of concurrent. Okay. Because you know like in in for whatever reason in 1998 there was that wave of western themed shows that included Bebop, Trigun and uh, Outlaw Star. Star. The Space Cowboy trilogy. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> the Dollars trilogy in Hell space. Yeah. I own all three. So um Neo, why don't you hit us up first with some episodes that stand out for you and ones that uh, you don't care for so much? Well, unlike Solbro, I have a true one that nobody ever talks about. Oh, Boogie Woogie Fun Shui. Uh, Rich, you know, I, I was going to say that, so you're not the only one who talks about it. I, I enjoy that episode immensely, and I think it's because it's the whole thing with Jet because... You know, Jet goes through all that stuff. We go through those those Jet episodes where we find about his his um his past, mm-hmm. and you know he's just kind of a brooding character because of all the things that have happened to him. And it's just like in that episode, it's he just kind of opens up, and you know, with that his uh, friend's little daughter now that's actually you know a young woman, mm-hmm. and she's kind of involved in some things, and her 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 dad is involved in some things dealing with um. The use of feng shui as um, things with the gate and all that—it's kind of mis. It's kind of convoluted what everything they're doing, but that's not the point. It's just the fact that you get these really cool things like Jet in the park eating the ice cream with her, and you know he's loosening up. He's realizing that yeah, things bad things have happened to me, but I can't allow this to you know just rule how I interact with people. And it's not these people's faults that all this crap happened. I just need to be kind of opened up. And uh, I really enjoy that one. I, I enjoy the one with um, the cowboy funk because that's the whole thing with Andy is just hilarious. <laughs> I, I, I love just the bizarre character like that where, you know, it's like he gets, they, they takes uh, Faye to his house and he's feeding a, his houseboat. Yeah, his houseboat. And Which? he's feeding his horse that, mm-hmm. that crap in the can, spam in a can, <laughs> and he feeds her that. And he gives like this big you know, speech about how you need to do this. And you find out he's just really some eccentric, uh, you know, um, trust fund baby basically. And, um, it it goes to show that, um, people who are into the same things are, he's so, he's a lot like to spike, at least from the other people's, um, observations of him, but spike with money, he spike with money and how they just completely can't stand each other. (laughs) Cause there's so much alike. There's so much alike. Almost mirror images. He's all, he's sick without money, but also without a clue because yeah, while yeah. they share some personality traits, clearly this guy's a moron. Yeah, most and definitely. He keeps he keeps thinking that Spike is the teddy bomber. <laughs> well, not only that, it's it's the fact that you know this is the guy. This is you almost see it would Spike be like this if he didn't have the trauma that happened in his life. Mm-hmm. Because you know Spike's aloof and kind of eccentric guy, but you know he had that stuff happen where um, you know with Julia and Vicious and all that, yep. but. I enjoy that episode. Um, one, uh, I enjoy the uh, Penelope Cruz, the first episode. Of I think course. that's because that's a very that's a very kind of Western feeling, um, you know, uh, episode. The uh, Toys in the Attic one is hilarious yep. because you know, in the end, you're you're <laughs> you're fighting against spoiled food that mutated into something. It's a bottle episode. Yeah. <laughs> And you just don't. And what's so funny is at the end, you just don't know how the hell they got out of it because it's like that's what I always found funny is once you got Faye outside of the vicious arc, and then once you got Faye mm-hmm. involved in it, you really didn't know 
when what episode happened if episode 15 happened before episode 14 mm -hmm. or after it or whatever so <laughs> that's the only thing i because they never reference you know they very they hardly ever reference anything that happened beforehand yeah and then that episode it's like you know everything's getting bitten by that that mutant space lobster and <laughs> at the end you just see everything <laughs> you know, spike goes all he goes all crazy you know all um john mcclain he you know he dresses up he's got all got this gun this knife this flamethrower it's like a bit jet a bit iron a bit uh fey it's it's, and, and it's just bizarre it's it, crazy how they can blend so much humor with space horror you know it's like yeah, and it had a kind of that horror feel that you know they were trying to do like that creepy like kind of resident evil type of oh, feeling yeah. of just something aliens. like very much an alien alien yeah that's aliens yeah so um of course battle of fallen angels i think is just you know from start to finish a very fine we're talking episode. about the standalone stay in line yeah well you're <laughs> saying your you're saying ones i liked um, but we're talking about the standalone episodes now okay i know that well well but um let me see I'll cut off your mic answer the question shut up <laughs> any other ones uh Silbro mentioned that um oh the um the other one that's funny to me is the um the eco terrorist one. Oh yeah with the uh, what the hell was it the sea rat episode <laughs> where they're talking like jets like talking i was like oh god it's totally disgusting <laughs> <laughs> gateway shuffle yeah and yeah. You, you have that whole mess with um Ooh. that crazy lady and her crazy uh, kids that if they do wrong she turns them into monkeys and the finale for that episode is the yeah. best though when they're racing to get out the um the gate before it closes yeah and they're booking dude they're like hit the nos they're giving those engines everything they can and and, um, of course, those uh, eco-terrorists get what's coming to them towards the end of the episode, too. That's that episode's a lot of fun. Uh, in terms of ones I'm not a huge fan of, um, hmm, I'd have to say probably the one where Faye's kind of introduced. Oh, Honky-tonk woman. Yeah, I'm not too too down with that one. And, and I kind of agree the one with Ayn is a little bizarre. <laughs> um, and... Um, Outside of that, I'd have to say uh, the only reason why I don't like it is because it always seemed like for a while there it was the only episode they'd ever show every time I turned on Adult Swim, which was the mushroom one, the black exploitation oh. one. Yeah, I think it was just the fact that they were always. It seemed like it was always on every time I turned on Cowboy Bebop, and that's a fan favorite right there too. Yeah, mushroom it's samba. Like, but that's about it, Chris. Okay, um, ones that I enjoyed. Uh, I'll start off with uh, Boogie Woogie Feng Shui. Which I was going to mention, so there. And uh, one of the things that appeals to me about that episode is that it's Jet on his own. Yeah. And, you know, he's helping this girl out because he knew her dad. And it's interesting how, um, well, first, every time I see her, I, I keep thinking of Luna from, from the Lunar Games. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because she kind of looks like her. She, she does. Uh, she's dressed up as like a little, like, gypsy, gypsy type chick with a little scarf and her little feng shui board and all that crap. But anyway, that, um, you know, because her dad was never around, she um, had these very strong feelings of dislike for him but then she found out the truth from jet which was that you know her dad was a feng shui master for the syndicate and that he kept her and her mom away because he didn't want them to get caught up in his world yeah because as we see that was catching up to him and you know it's sort of sad that you know they go through all this trouble to find him they find where it was this guy was hidden inside the space gate and all they have time to do is for this guy to say like goodbye to his daughter before yeah you know that sort of little hole in there closes and he dies. Yep. So it's pretty bittersweet that, you know, again, you know, like we were saying earlier about saying things at the last minute, you know, she finally understood her father and didn't hate him anymore, but it literally was when he was at death's door. Yeah, pretty much. 
Um, Mushroom Samba, I only I also find amusing because of the fact that it focuses on Edward, and you know she pretty much does a good job of catching these incompetent morons, this mushroom guy, <laughs> and I just love the uh, the part where Ayn eats that mushroom. He stiffens up and starts just hopping around like all yeah. stiffly. Yeah, like he's some squeaky toy or something. That was that was hilarious. And it's just a fun episode. Um, Speak like a child. Also, I thought um, was amusing because of this whole quest for this Betamax tape that they go through such ridiculous extents to try to find. Yeah, they and, went back and uh, forth to Earth like how many times? <laughs> <laughs> or that it started off with like Spike being just such a moron when um, they were trying to uh, watch the tape at that guy's tape store, and he just kept kicking the the player until it broke. Yeah, yeah. my plane works when I kick it. <laughs> You know, it's just it was just hilarious how dumb he was and and uh you know just their general uh lack of knowledge about these archaic video formats. Mm-hmm. Plus, you know, there was a little serious bit at the end about the subject of the tape being face past um what else also stuck out at me. The uh the other two Jet episodes, Ganymede Elegy, uh very bittersweet because Jet sort of got that past as the hard boiled detective who was the good cop in a corrupt system mm-hmm. and um the thing that that episode gets across, that all the ones that focus on them and their past get across, is that these people are are wounded, and like everyone, they are the sub, they are the sum of their past experiences, mm-hmm. and that affects who they are, which is what really makes these characters much more three dimensional than characters in a lot of other anime. Certainly. And I think there's a great exchange in that episode after Spike leaves to go visit his ex, and um, Faye says to Spike that uh, Jet is fooling himself if he thinks that his ex is carrying a torch for him after all these years. And then Spike, right after that, says in response to her, and you're kidding yourself if you think all women are like you. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a nice, that's, a, that's a nice retort. <laughs> yeah. But then, of course, you know, um, it, that, that one line of dialogue of you're fooling yourself if you think all women are like you, it kind of takes on a deeper meaning when you find out what Faye's path really is. Yeah. And you see that she's not like, you know, the I don't need anybody swindler that she presents herself to be. Mm-hmm. You know, she was just an average girl, got caught up in an accident on a space shuttle, you know, suddenly wakes up 50 years later and her family's gone. You know, people that she was friends with as a child are now old people. And now she's been stuck with crippling debt that she didn't ask for and this guy who befriends her swindles her and really like burns her badly yeah so you understand why it is that she became the way she did and you know why she puts up this this act of you know i don't need anybody and i'm just watching out for myself um the other jet episode uh black dog serenade that um you know kind of shows him how mistaken he was and you know he prided himself on being the black dog that once once i bite you i never let go yet Mm -hmm. he had no idea at all that his partner and friend was the one who betrayed him and blew his arm off so what does that say to being blind about the things that are right in front of you that's true what else stuck out for me see here oh the one that kind of stuck out for me i can't remember which one it was but the one with the chess player the guy that the old guy in the, the bohemian game, rhapsody that's yeah it. that mm-hmm. one was pretty cool too because that whole situation when they're looking for this guy and ed's playing him the whole time <laughs> online and you find out that this is one of the original uh you know he create kind of pretty much created the gate and he knew what the accident was but 
you know, in typical corporate fashion, he was forced to do something before it was ready. And, you know, it's just like, damn the torpedoes. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll deal with what we deal with. And, um, he does that whole kind of corporate espion or corporate sabotage or sabotage. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sabotage. <laughs> but then the funny thing that about that is that he did it and then completely forgot about it because he became a senile old man who only knows how to play chess. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was bird. just the most yeah. amusing part of that episode. Uh, for me, another episode that really sticks out and kind of bittersweet and sets up the finale, uh, Hard Luck Woman, yeah. Yeah. which kind of resolves the storyline of both Faye and Edward. Edward finds her uh, equally fruity dad <laughs> and uh, decides to leave the ship and takes Ayn with her. And, uh, you know, Faye finally remembers her past, which um, is also bittersweet because then in Real Folk Blues, when she tells Spike that she found out about her past, she tells him and nothing good came of it. Yeah. Yeah. Because really, what did her answers offer her? You know, everything she remembered, you know, the the fancy mansion she grew up in, it's gone. It's just rubble. Her friends are all old now, yet she's still young. You know, even though she found out what she was desperately wanting, it didn't do anything good for her. Yeah. Uh, episodes that didn't do much for me, there's really only one that sticks out. I really didn't like Gateway Shuffle that much. Oh. Because, you know, this echo terrorist and her dumb kids, they're just kind of... <laughs> too dumb to be interesting yeah <laughs> so that one didn't really do much for me um one thing i think we definitely should briefly mention is the voice acting yes thank and, you and you know i have to say the japanese dub has some amazing voice actors that are mm-hmm. some of the best in the industry from japan but i can never bring myself to watch the show in anything other than english <laughs> english dub is just so good and it fits the tone of the show so much better mm. even for the minor characters yeah you know? i mean this show you can tell they really really put a lot of effort into mm-hmm. you know having everyone act out and i th- their parts and i think um i'd read or heard before that unlike most american shows where it's just individual actors working in a booth with the voice director right for this show they had everyone record together oh okay which makes a lot of sense it makes a lot of difference because you know if you're recording in isolation in a booth you're reacting to not the actual performance of the other actor but what the voice director is acting out for you or what the voice director is telling you how you should act which is not the same thing obviously there's a world of difference between the two certainly versus being told what you should react to versus hearing what you're actually reacting to but they did a really good job with um with the voice acting and for as many great roles that steve lum has been in both japanese and um american cartoons Mm -hmm. uh, i still think that uh, his tour de force defying performance is cowboy bebop because he just is perfect as spike he just captures that character perfectly and that is why he'll always be slurpy spike slurpy spike (laughs) that's uh it's his citizen kane (laughs) wolverine be damned I don't know. He's pretty hey, damn good as Wolverine, too. It, but in my heart, he'll always be Slurpy Spike. There yeah. you go. Since we're on the subject of the audio, the music, of course, we can't oh. go without mentioning the music. My gosh. Which, you know, I would have to say probably one of my top five of Yoko Kano soundtracks. Yeah. You know, just overall, I mean, it's the only um, soundtrack where it's Yoko Kano and the seatbelts where she, you know, the, 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 the other people who actually helped to make the album. It, it's almost like they went, and went on the... I guess a fictional motif of, of 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 her having a band in 2071, and they did the soundtrack to this series because I think that was the concept behind the albums. 
because even in the, in the booklets that come with it, there's a lot of lot of stuff in there about that uh, that come with each of the albums. Are you sure, I, I get I get more. It's like the Roaring Twenties, and you got kind of that big band jazzy type feel when it comes to. Well, it's it, it can be both because yeah. uh, yeah. interestingly, in the the old DVD, she said in an interview that uh, when she was very young, she came to. Uh, America, which I find amusing because in every interview I've seen of her, she just comes across as like just being like so incredibly shy. Mm-hmm. And she says that she kind of like went from place to place on a bus. <laughs> and one of the places that she went to was New Orleans. Nice. So obviously that's going to have an impact because, you know, New Orleans is the birthplace of jazz. And mm-hmm. interestingly, I have a New Orleans story about Cowboy Bebop. Oh, yeah. A few that's months right. ago, I was in New Orleans visiting my friend Colette. And, um, you know, we were out in the town at night and. The thing about New Orleans is you only have to sneeze to find a bar where jazz music is playing at nighttime. (laughs) So there was this one place that we walked by, and there was a band in there. They were playing. We went in because there was no cover, so why not go into a place if there's no cover? Mm -hmm. And they were just jamming, and you know the audience was really into it. And then suddenly they switch beats and start playing Tank. (laughs) And we looked at each other like, is this just happening right now? Are these people playing tank? <laughs> Which, you know, if you heard in public, like if you never saw Bebop and heard that song, you know, you'd think it's just a, a jazz standard the way it's made. That, that song is still probably one of the most memorable things about watching that show. And for you to hear that in public, and it goes, it goes to show that New Orleans, which is you know, the birthplace of jazz... It you know you got musicians there that actually listen to that soundtrack and know that song and that that's that's freaking incredible. I, I, when you told me that story, I couldn't believe it. And I got to say, I was so impressed by by that that as they were playing that song, I tipped them right there in their Hell tip jar. Yes. <laughs> well, it's, it just shows that's one of the one of the good things about the internet, you know, mm-hmm. being able to be exposed to stuff like that. And yeah, it's I mean. I'm sure if you didn't know, if it didn't say Cowboy Bebop on it, it just said whatever for the soundtracks, it would just be like, a you know, people would react like a normal, you know, jazz, you know, or a normal type of uh, musical uh, CD or something like that. Yeah, it it is, really is a very Western soundtrack. It wasn't yeah. because of like, you know, the jacket inserts or the name. If you just mm-hmm. played that CD for someone and it said to them that it was by Japanese people, they'd be like, what are you kidding me? How could that be by Japanese people? It sounds like something exactly. straight out of New Orleans. Here, uh, up here in in Orlando, there's a, a jazz station called WUCF, which plays jazz music all the time, and actually went through and played each one of the bebop soundtracks um, on a, on a particular week. One of the hosts of one of the shows there went through them all, and I thought that was uh, really cool. Well, it, it, is, it, it is the school. It is UCF. It is a college station. Yeah, it's a college yeah. station. Oh, so it's not. They're not too far, but I, you know, the ja- jazz heads. Like it was a really old jazz head named um, yeah. Jack Simpson that went through them all, and someone to be they played his it on age, Rollins Radio before too. Have they? Yeah, wow. they 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 do that, but it's because they're. It's only because they're college stations. I yeah. mean, I think you'd be well, maybe a, maybe now you'd probably have it, but mm-hmm. I, I think years ago when when the show was out, you'd be probably a little hard pressed if a, a regular like normal jazz station would be playing yeah. it. But yeah, it's because it's WCF is a uh, it's college station. It's a college station, but um, it was interesting listening to those rebroadcasts because um, they would bring up um things like um, you know, Jack Jack would say uh that you know he could hear influences of uh Stan Getz and. And um, what's up, Lalo Schifrin, which is one of my favorite composers of all time, and Henry Mancini, all throughout that soundtrack. And, and what's that, Charlie Parker. Parker? Yeah, of course, which they reference in the show. And I, yeah. I love Charlie Parker and Miles Davis. It's it, the list goes on. But yeah, the thing those... about that soundtrack that I think is really amazing is that you know Yoko Kano, a Japanese composer, mm-hmm. she wasn't um, just doing something in the sound yeah. of American jazz. 
and blues or impersonating it, you yeah. know, as an outsider would, like just trying to get the feeling of it but not actually be it. But she didn't do that. She was actually doing the real deal. She was doing and making and creating real jazz music. Yes, yeah. indeed. Rather than just, you know, which you would expect, you know, in a foreign country. You know, people who uh, are working for, for suits in a company, you know, they don't know, they may not know that much about jazz music. So if you make something that sounds like what they think it should be, that could be close enough, but it's not really up to snuff. It's not the real deal. You know, she went far beyond that. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that, that, and yeah, it's, it's not an imitation of jazz music. It's not an imitation. Actually... It's, it's the real deal. Yeah. There's a lot of soul. As, and... evidence, as evidenced by the fact that you have bands in New Orleans playing it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Because even them, they probably said, man, they probably the first first time they heard it they're like are you serious oh yeah japanese people do it you know making jazz music i can only imagine it it influenced the generation of uh musicians to you know to go out there and you know to to play music because i mean you listen to that soundtrack and it's extraordinary um including the movie soundtrack that's another thing that um blew me away when i heard it um but we'll we'll get into that um, in a little bit but well that's a good segue let's uh let's wrap things up by going into the movie which um came out three years after the show and Mm -hmm. um you know, after the show aired, a couple of people who worked on the show from Sunrise, they, they left Sunrise to create Studio Bones, yep. which, of course, went on to create Neo's favorite uh, TV show, Razafon. Yeah. And uh, their first production was uh, the co-production with Sunrise of Cowboy Bebop, the movie, Knocking on Heaven's Door, as mm-hmm. it was called in Japan, but not here. Right. For obvious reasons. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it takes place late in the show between episodes 22 and 23, and the theme is bioterrorism. And they're trying to stop uh, this guy named Vincent, who is going to launch a bioterror attack on Mars right. during Halloween. So, for one thing, um, of course, the animation is much, much better because it's a feature film. You know, it's in widescreen. It's much more cinematic mm-hmm. than, uh, than the TV show in that respect, even though the TV show itself was cinematic. Right. Uh, it's got a new soundtrack. They didn't just recycle music from the TV show. You know, they had kind of come back and do yet another full album of music for this movie. Future uh, Blues. The animation is so detailed, and it kind of builds off of what you see in the TV show that even though humanity has had to relocate to all these other planets because of the disaster on Earth, mm-hmm. all of these worlds have like a very lived-in feel to them. Right. Like when you go through these dirty neighborhoods on Mars in the movie, like the the Arab section and, you know, like the Chinese section. And, you know, it feels like people have been living here forever, even though it's only been 50 years since the gate disaster. Yeah. You know, it's sort of like, you know, people just go back, even though there was this gate disaster that ruined Earth, the birthplace of humanity, they've just gone to live somewhere else and they're doing the same stuff they were doing before, you know crime syndicates and pet shops and you know rackets and con artists and all the same stuff like it ever was yeah yeah it's like it didn't miss a beat all those planets um in in bebop and, and the movie are presented almost as characters too because as you um as they visit places to uh, when they go from place to place you get to learn a little bit of how mankind colonized the planet or how they live when they're there like uh, as you see in the movie on mars you know they live in craters that um almost like aquariums but for human beings you know, it's 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 just neat to see all those little technical things while you watch uh, each episode in the movie, of course. Or, uh, you know, where was it? Like, I think Io that they visited in Jupiter Jazz, where yeah. it's basically like Siberia in the literal and figurative sense, and <laughs> they don't get too many women. Yeah. Yeah. 
So um, one of the things that I really like about the movie is that it kind of touches on the theme of the TV show about Spike because this guy Vincent, who you know he was a soldier, he underwent these experiments, and you know his his whole thing is that um, he feels that. His life is just a dream that he can't wake up from, mm-hmm. which is really very similar to Spike. Yeah. yeah. And there's a sort of sadness to that because if you've seen the TV show beforehand, then you know that Spike is kind of like that and that he's in this same situation. Yeah, which you know allows each other to to to, to relate to each other. You know, the when it, leading up to, of course, their their um their duel at the end. But um, you know, they 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 know what it is to be in each other's shoes and they both have a, a common um a common point of interest as well uh vicious i believe no i take that back i'm sorry i'm getting my i'm getting my facts mixed up he was just, he was involved in that uh in the same war that vicious was back in the day the the war i forget on what planet uh where he was uh he was a soldier there yeah, yeah thank you thank you he was involved in that yeah, same him war and, and gren too yep but um another thing that i also like about the movie is sort of the um the dialogue and the interplay between spike and electra mm-hmm. and uh you know they kind of have a good rapport and you get the sense that maybe if things were different there could have been something between them right you know if she wasn't hung up on vincent and he wasn't hung up on julia and there was kind of an interesting scene when they're both locked up inside that uh, research company's jail mm-hmm. when he's talking to her and he t- he doesn't mention her by name but he's talking about julia yep and uh he tells her all this stuff and then you know he's kind of like surprised at himself because he never tells anyone that much about himself because well, yeah, he cause... kind of, he kind of, I guess, sees in her uh, something that's in him too. That you know, these people they're both attached very closely to someone who is part of another world that they're not part of anymore. Mm-hmm. Well, not only that, there, it just shows that there are certain people in your life that you're just comfortable with, and you know, like you said, in a in a perfect world, or if things were different, they might have been able to get together. Yeah, and. Um, yeah, I mean, I think especially, you know, you always have the danger with movies and stuff bringing, you know, that are from a series or something like bringing out an outside character. This is one of the few times that really it worked well. And, and you almost get kind of the weird sense that she was like the, what is it, the sixth member of the Bebop? <laughs> you know, kind of the, you know. The, the fifth uh, Beetle. The fifth Beetle, yeah. Well, yeah, you know, but... it, it worked for Cowboy Bebop because the show is so wide open and there's not just one storyline that's running through. I mean, there's so many jobs that they go on so many misadventures that they have that you could do lots of stories in between these gaps but of course you don't want to do too much of that so i think the fact that they did just this one movie uh was perfect it's all you needed and nothing more and it fits um it fits quite nicely between volumes five and six of your dvd collection it does (laughs) and you know i was thinking to myself because i rewatched the the show and the movie recently and that's how Mm -hmm. i did it for the first time i watched the movie in between volumes five and six oh hell yeah so I was thinking to myself, what if there was a new movie where they just did a movie version of the Vicious Arc? Still, and starts the same way. Mm-hmm. Maybe the Jupiter stuff's a little bit different, but it's all linked together. Still ends the same way, but now it's in glorious uh, movie-quality animation with maybe a few scenes to fill things in. Man, would you guys think something like that? I would really enjoy that. I would really enjoy kind of do the kind of do the thing with the Battle of Fallen Angels. You do you do the time skip thing after, <laughs> you know, like five months later, you know, Jupiter Jazz or something like that. Yeah, something like that. Or or maybe you don't do Jupiter Jazz. You just do Battle of fallen angels and real folk blues and come up with some stuff to link the two together sort of a you know dear old macross frontier slightly alternate retelling that would be cool I and think. maybe and maybe get a little bit more insight as to spike's life before the before he um he left the uh the red dragon yeah 
and, and yeah, show that, a little that bit of that. Be, that would definitely be pretty cool, I think. Hey, you never know what could happen. Definitely. You listen One to last thing. <laughs> I'm sorry, go ahead. <laughs> One last thing I'd like to mention, and then you guys can throw in any closing thoughts. Something mm-hmm. that we usually would never talk about, but I think it's worth mentioning even in a tiny, tiny respect here. Right. The episode previews. Oh, yeah. yeah the episode previews in this show are hilarious. <laughs> Because most of the time, they never actually get around to talking about what the episode's about, mm-hmm. and they're just, um, you know, messing with each other <laughs> to the point that, you know, uh, Ayn did one. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and he starts barking and Spike's like, like, oh, you're doing this one? <laughs> They kind of. This is like the show that kind of started that trend because oh, you, yeah. you see a lot of shows kind of after this. Some of them kind of did the same thing, where it was like you know just showing the preview and the same thing. But yeah, that was I do remember the one with I. That was pretty funny. <laughs> and another small thing that uh, we didn't mention earlier, but that I think also bears mentioning: uh, the three old guys. Oh, three man. wise men. The, the, those guys. Those guys are hilarious. The, the way they just trio? keep showing up. Yes. <laughs> Even it, even in, in the, the movie. movie, yeah, they sure do. They sure do. One of them reminded me like um, he he wear a hat similar to um Ash from Pokemon. I'd always used to joke that I was him in his old age. <laughs> not that it, of course that's not true. But well, what's um, funny is that it, time that 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 that, that the one that, with the um like I said the one with the chess player. Yep, they show up in like the most inopportune like you would never <laughs> think they'd show up where they were. Hey, how you doing? Just passing through, and it's like, oh my god, are you serious? I think even if Spike makes a mention, like, you guys? <laughs> Something like that. But. The series' best reoccurring characters right there. Yeah. So, any closing comments before we wrap this up? Um, I'd have to say, yeah, especially with the movie. I, I think the movie was, um, it, it was a great um, kind of, I guess, conclusion to that to that story and and in the aspect of you know they revisited one more time and you were able to have one kind of one last adventure because uh, you know we haven't seen any since and uh, and I'm, I'm actually kind of good with that I mean if they decide to do something down the road that would be cool if they don't I think this is I think the show and the movie have enough replay value and they're that enjoyable that even doesn't matter how many times you see them you're always going to just uh um, you know, enjoy it. Um, you know, I, I think this is one of the shows. It, it's kind of like um, it's like a Ghost in the Shell to me, where I think this is kind of like the non-anime watchers anime. That you know, <laughs> That's th- true. this is a show where you know, if you're not too much into anime, I, I think you can still appreciate it, um, just because it's got that more adult feeling. It's it's. Um, it's a very deep show when it comes to character interaction and character feelings and you know and just just like we said how people deal with life and their past and you know how um, you know just the interaction with uh, with others and um, you know outstanding soundtrack like we commented and is and is holding the test of time very nicely when it comes to um, uh, the animation and everything it still doesn't look dated it, it'd be nice what about to the s- tears of time well <laughs> that's a different story. I guess for that last episode, it, it stands the two, two years of time. <laughs> but it would be nice to see, hint, hint, a uh, Blu-ray remaster. That would always be nice to um, to have, and just not an up-convert that you did with uh, Samurai Champloo. Oh. Kind of the uh, the spawn of Cowboy Bebop. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, what else can you say? On the MHQ scale, i definitely give this a five stars. And even with the weaker episodes, um, it, I, they're not so weak that... It's gonna make your enjoyment just go like, Ugh, you know. So that's my take. Well, um, this is definitely to put Adult Swim on the map. Um, I uh, 
Bebop's probably my third favorite uh, anime series of all time, uh, at, behind uh, Macross and uh, Video Girl Eye. It's just right there. It's a, it, it, of animes I could suggest to people that don't watch anime. It's top of the list. Um, you know, it's, it's got universal appeal. It's based on a lot. It gets a lot of influences from things in um, Western culture. The movie. Um, Although in a few moments it's it's there's a few slow parts in the film for the most part as a Bebop fan I truly enjoy it I saw it when it, in the theaters when it came out here and um, I, I enjoyed that experience seeing it you know in the theaters because it's very rare that an anime that's as good as that one you get to see in the in the movie theaters and that was a lot of fun um, but yeah I mean I could I could repeat some of the things that Neo and Chris had said but this series is, is it <laughs> we gotta wrap this up no no problem it's a must watch um, and one of the best series I, I could I could definitely recommend but um back to you Chris I, I would give this on the MHQ scale five out of five non beef beef and mushrooms <laughs> bell peppers and beef <laughs> so that wraps up uh, this anime spotlight you've been listening to Gundam and MHQ we'll be right back. Everything is clear or now Life is just a dream, you know That's never ending I'm ascending We have a problem. We need to set up a perimeter. Who is this? Isn't this the coach of the baseball team? No, you have the wrong number. This is Shirley Douglas's residence. Really? Yes, I should know. She's my mother. Your mother? You still live with your mother? How old are you? I'm hanging up now. Kiefer, who was that? Gun- Damn it, Mom! I told you to knock before you come in! Hi, I'm Mitsugi. And I'm Hatake. And we're the hosts of Anime Addicts Anonymous Podcast. AAAPodcast.com Listen up, anime fans. Do you find yourself spending tons of money on anime DVDs and merchandise? Wishing you drove a Gundam to work instead of your car? Singing J-pop music in the shower? If you do any of these things, you might be an anime addict. At the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast, we have one mission, to turn your anime addiction into an obsession. We entertain our listeners with current anime news, celebrity guest hosts, hilarious discussion topics, and fair, unbiased review on current and past anime. Here are a few testimonials. I used to be a total anime noob. Now I know so much about anime that I can say, Spike was caught riding on a Tachkoma eating Poppy wearing a Hidden Leaf Village headband while looking at a foldout of Revy in a Death Note, and know exactly what that means. Now that I listen to the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast, I never have to watch a bad anime again. They watch them, so I don't. So visit us at aaapodcast.com and submit anime review requests on our forum and tune in on iTunes so you can always have the latest in news and reviews. So get obsessed with Anime Addicts at the AAA. And remember, we're here for you. Just gotta keep on trucking, yes sir! I'm gonna go outside and make myself a nice, big, shiny, first place medal, sit in the sun, and have a stupendous friggin' day! Gum damn it! Well, alright, you're messy. Would you make me a medal too? Welcome back to episode 68 of Gundam at MAHQ. 
In this episode, we were joined by Andres Serrato from um, to- some, from um, Tomopop.com, and uh, he guided us along in the holiday mecca and uh, merchandise guide, uh, where we talked about all sorts of stuff that you might want to get your your loved ones that are into mecca uh, for Christmas, uh, models and whatnot. And then uh, we had a hearty discussion about one of the one of our favorite animes of all time, Cowboy Bebop, the uh, definitive Space Cowboy series, and um, before. Uh, before we close this episode out, the definitive Space Cowboy series, Space Cowboy anime series. How about that? How about I don't that? Know about that, there are other ones, but it's it, to me is the best of the three. That's just me. But um, before we uh, before we close the show out, I want to hand the mic over to Chris because he's got some important news to share with us. Well, uh, first, since we didn't mention this at the opening, uh, this is the last episode of Gundam for 2010. <laughs> oh man. Scared yeah, me. We're, we're we're taking off the holidays, so we'll be back in January with uh, some some podcasting goodness. Mm-hmm. But uh, the news that I have this time is the announcement of the MHQ Podcast Network. And you might say to yourself, "Self, how can there be an MHQ Podcasting Network if all you guys have is Gundam?" Well, I'm glad you asked that because we are going to be having next year the premiere of two new podcasts. Ooh. So the first one uh, will be called Chaos Theater, and if you're a video game fan, that's an Earthbound reference. Mm-hmm. And uh, the show kind of grew out of um, a desire I had to do something different because you know, with Gundam, we've been talking about robots for three years, and while that's fun, there's only so far that you can go with that. And although we've stretched the concept a little bit to talk about uh, sci-fi stuff like Firefly and Galactica or anime just like Bebop right now, mm-hmm. there's only so far you can stretch that because there's no conceivable way that I can stretch it that we talk about Castlevania or One Piece on Gundam. Unless they it get just, robots. It just doesn't work. Mm-hmm. So um, I approached Pedro. Good old Pedal Bear South Hell yeah. uh, show. So we're going to be hosting Chaos Theater, which will be focusing on general anime, not robots, uh, sci-fi, fantasy, and video games. And if you're a very, very long-time MHQ fan, you'll find that uh, some of the things we talk about on this show will harken back to the way things were on FAHQ when we started off as the Fantasy and Animation HQ. Man, throwing back really throwing back 10 years so you know if you want to hear us talking about things that aren't robots and you sort of want an un-gundam then uh chaos theater will be that show and initially when it premieres in january it'll be a monthly show for the first few episodes but ideally we're going to switch to twice a month and um the show will appear during the off weeks of gundam so that way you always have every week some mhq podcasting goodness so um you can check us out we have an email address. You can reach us at chaostheatershow at gmail.com. And that's theater, E-R, not R-E. <laughs> um, you can uh, tweet us at twitter.com slash ctcast. You can also visit the right now empty chaostheater.blogspot.com. <laughs> and by the time that you hear this episode, there will be a Chaos Theater subform on Mechatalk. Oh, so uh, we're going to be doing things different from Gundam. Uh, show's going to be shorter, maybe about an hour per episode. We're going to have one main topic. We're going to try to have a different guest every episode to talk about a specific topic. And those guests could include Gundam co-hosts. Uh, they will definitely include haters like Austin. So, you know, we could finally have... Um, 
you know, a fight to the death between Solbro and Austin about Capcom. Oh man, I'm gonna gear up for that. You, you need to start training for it because you're 10 years too early. Uh, there'll be a lot of stuff that we're gonna be talking about, so uh, please check the uh, soon-to-be threads on the Chaos Theater subform of Mecha Talk for ideas. We are gonna have a mailbag, so you can send us in uh, your questions on many subjects, and I hope that you all enjoy that show. The second podcast that we're unveiling is uh, as yet untitled uh, Plamo cast that will cover uh, Gunpla, General Plamo, toys, sci-fi type things, and uh, the host for that will be Tomopop's Andre Serrato, who uh, unfortunately couldn't stick around with us the whole episode for this announcement, but um, he will be doing this show, and um, you know it'll be pretty similar to the things that he's talked about on Gundam. He'll be talking about news, uh, model kit reviews, modeling tips, a whole variety of subjects. Uh, this show's still a little bit in the flux, so we don't have a name for it yet, so there's no addresses or anything I can give you, but uh, it will have a form on uh, Mecha Talk at the same time, and of course we can just change the name from a temporary one to a final one. That's going to be a monthly show. Uh, we're going to stagger the introduction of these two podcasts so that they don't... Um, cannibalize each other's audiences or Gundams. So expect uh, this Plamo show to start probably somewhere around March, maybe. And uh, we could certainly use help from the community if uh, you uh, want to volunteer with uh, providing information about your kits or if you have any uh, expertise with uh, podcasts, particularly editing. Uh, we're going to put out a call for that stuff, so please watch for further information and um, that basically is the announcement, and um, it all came up pretty quickly, but it resulted from me wanting to do some more podcasts over the years, but struggling to find an idea of what could we do that would differentiate from Gundam, and um, I think this this does that because uh, Chaos Theater will probably, with only a few exceptions, not really talk about robots, so you know you can check out your robot fix on Gundam and that will never change because let me just make this clear nothing is changing about Gundam uh, you can enjoy all of these related but uh, different topics on Chaos Theater and if you really want that uh, modeling fix that goes more in depth than what we've done with Andres in the past then you'll have a whole show with him covering all of those topics so I'm excited about these shows and I hope that you all will be as well and that you'll listen to them um, of course we'll provide downloaded information for you and with both shows once they hit five episodes then we'll be on iTunes and all of your other media subscription services as well Oh, that's good I mean that is especially you know I, I think with the modeling one because we, we, I think we've all figured out here on Gundam that we just can't give it the service that it really uh, probably deserves. And, you know, having somebody like Andreas doing it is just, you know, going to be an exciting thing. And I, I hope, I'm sure there's a lot of people hearing this are going to be very, very excited. But, um, um, oh, before we go, I guess the, the one thing I always want to tell everybody to support our sponsors uh, with uh, GoDaddy and uh, Petco. And of course, hopefully I'm able to, I'm in the good negotiations right now hopefully we have some other things that will be coming most likely the first of next year so that'll be good um and of course uh you know the more support you give those folks the more support you give us and uh, definitely give the support to the new shows because hopefully uh, we get to a certain point with our hosting services there maybe there'll be some other 
um, sponsorship that can be done through them and maybe a little bit more towards that arena. So well. not as specific. You, you just never know. So um, definitely support everything. I know, I know times are tough for a lot of people and you got to watch your dollars and all that. But, you know, there are some pretty good deals, uh, especially if you have pets. I think that, that the Petco thing has always been a good thing because uh, I don't have my dog anymore. I had to put oh. him down. But the thing was, it's very expensive to own a dog or probably even a cat. Uh, with food and shots and all that stuff, so definitely check those out. Plus, it's the it's the holiday season, man. Yeah, tis the season. Yeah. Go for it, guys. Pick up pets pick up needs gifts too. That's yeah, right, exactly. man. Get, pets get, are people too. Get Rover a new bone <laughs> or catnip for kitty. Well, Neil, thank you for um, thank you for bringing um, bring, uh, bringing that to light. And um, Chris, thank you for that earth shattering news. And um, hey, you heard go. it here, folks. This is the Gundam World exclusive. Hell yeah, man! Exclusive, exclusive. <laughs> so uh, uh, the MHQ network it gets large enough, we can uh, we can go after some of the other cable networks. Hell yeah, dude! Maybe have the uh, our, our version of the O'Reilly No Spin Zone O'Reilly Factor. WB, we looking at you. <laughs> Invite people on and turn their mics off. Yeah. And we could demand riders too. Exactly. Riders, man. Chilled those, hams. Those chilled hams. Here we come. Red M Ms. And and red M Ms only and red gummy bears. <laughs> Just red. Yes. That's how we that's how we throw down. But, but um check these websites out when you get the chance. MAHQ.net, of course, the Mecha and Anime Headquarters, Gundam.net for um episode info, liner notes and links to our social networking sites. Um you can find us on iTunes and of course um reach us by email by sending us messages to Gundam, M-A-H-Q, at gmail.com. And um, if there's nothing else, thank you for joining us in uh, episode 68 of Gundam at M-A-H-Q. We'll see you guys next year. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. I do not accept Relina Peacecraft's ways. Her belief that peace is attained by throwing away weapons and confining soldiers is wrong. So that's why you're allowing Marimea's autocracy? That's where the souls of those who fight gather! That may be okay for now, but Marimea will end up repeating history. The history full of miserable battles. Unless we stop this process now, more soldiers like ourselves will become necessary. If that happens, history will continue to repeat itself. Wu Fei, tell me, how many more people must we kill? How many more times must I kill that girl and her dog? Gundam at MHQ is a Shinjuku station in the MHQ production. Now I have a machine gun. Ho, ho.